Yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome to episode five of the Challenge Break. Coming at you hot today, uh, back to back, like we're on the cover of Lethal Weapon. Back to back, like it's Jordan ninety six, ninety seven. What's up, Isaac? Yo, back to back. Call me Drake. We are up in this podcast once again. So, some big news that I realized we uh, forgot to really hit on last episode, which kind of ran out of time, was uh, Jaden Ironman's a Hawkeye. Not only is Jaden Ironman a Hawkeye, but you and I kind of gave our own personal ideas on, yo, where's Ironman going to go? And here's the places that we thought best fit. Um, we talked a lot about uh, Oklahoma State RTC being the kind of program that offers you, I mean, uh, that offers a guy like Ironman the opportunity to jump uh, international levels. We talked about Penn State. We didn't discuss a whole lot about Iowa because, I mean, in my opinion, like the Riddler doesn't really seem to be Iowa style because the dude is just the funk master. And then all of a sudden he says, you know what? I'm going to keep my last year of eligibility and uh, I think I'm going to wrestle for the Hawkeyes. Right. Coming off of the interview that he had with Mark Bader, um, there were some signs that pointed towards, you know, potentially Iowa and being that, of the big power schools, I was kind of the closest to home for him. But I would say out of the big, you know, five or so that we said as potential destinations for him, I had him kind of towards the bottom, just uh, kind of wrestling style and coach personality clash, like just kind of all things included. And, but, you know, lo and behold, here we go. And um, I think that sets Iowa, you know, looking really good as potentially, you know, the front runner next year. Yeah, I mean, when you think that Iowa's already a team this year that we're talking about pushing Penn State, I mean, going into next season, barring injury, you got to think Iowa's the favorite. I mean, we, we look at a probable lineup, obviously, with Lee at 25, and depending on what happens with DeSanto, Glenn, and Teasdale, kind of all the solid 33-pounders this year, I mean, you're literally looking at a Lee, Teasdale, DeSanto, Ironman top four kicking off lineup like what kind of murderers row is that those are four guys depending on how Teasdale looks this season that are national championship contenders right it definitely get them off to a good start you know who knows what changes between now and then um but man Hawkeye fans have to be pumped about this one I am curious to see how this is going to fit in you know Jaden Ironman's a pretty uh polarizing guy and, you know, I always had some guys, you know, like Tony Ramos in the past that have been somewhat like this. But I feel like there's something different about Jaden Ironman. And I'm curious to see, you know, how that's going to go, how it's going to settle with the brands, with the Iowa fans. And I think it's going to be, you know, an interesting storyline to follow. Absolutely. But, again, Iowa knows how to take dudes who struggle at other places or are very polarizing characters. I mean, look at what they've done with DeSanto. <laughs> I mean, right. uh, between true. DeSanto and Ironman, I mean, those dudes are a social media uh, dream and maybe a little bit of a media nightmare. But, I mean, the Hawkeyes are pretty polarizing, too, just like Penn State, just like Alabama football or whoever it is that dominates their sport. I mean, you either love the Hawkeyes or you hate the Hawkeyes, and that's the Hawkeyes. Right. You're exactly right. So speaking of uh, looking forward to the team race next year. Ohio State getting a huge pickup on National Signing Day with Anthony Eshamendia, uh, you know, signing a national letter of intent to wrestle for Coach Ryan. Dude, Eshamendia is a freak. Like, when I first saw some clips of this guy, um, I remember thinking, like, man, this dude's just an absolute hammer. And then he goes out at uh, who's number one and just 
kind of blows the roof off the place. Dude looks like a tank. Um, Flo Nats. I mean, the kid's a hammer. And I was watching an interview with Coach Ryan the other day, um, kind of discussing like the the tough uh, like the tough loss of Kyle Snyder um, heading over to Penn State and how how that kind of is tough for your program when you're building a program that you're trying to make compete with Penn State, Iowa, Oklahoma State. And I remember Coach Ryan saying something really interesting in this interview, saying, look, we're as committed to the kids that commit to us as, as they are to us, right? So he was touching a little bit on the Kirk thing with Kirk, who's flipped several commitments. And basically, Tom Ryan was just trying to say, like, trust in the process, like, trust in what we have getting built here. And I think this is the perfect kind of foundational block, both for Recommendia and for um, – for Penn or for Ohio State, because Coach Ryan, to his credit, takes really good dudes, and he does build national contenders, national champions, and world team contender, and hopefully even world team champs like we've seen with Snyder. Right, and so Etchemendia, you know, here in the U.S., kind of as a as a refugee, top deal. Um, Basically, was only or mostly experienced in freestyle wrestling uh, prior to coming over here. And so I feel like, you know, there's going to be a little bit of a learning curve with the Matt wrestling once he starts, you know, competing at the D1 level. But this is a guy whose athleticism and his explosiveness, quickness and talent on his feet kind of it kind of transcends that problem in a way. And uh, I don't think it'll limit him very much. And if he gets where he can, you know, just get out from bottom, man, th- this guy is going to be problems for absolutely everybody. And so he was actually able to, you know, graduate high school early and could enroll and begin wrestling at Ohio State. Like, he could wrestle this season. Um, however, with I think it actually works out good that with them having Pletcher at 41, you know, maybe you go ahead and bring him in and you just, he just burns a semester of a red shirt or a year of a red shirt. I'm not sure how, how it works. Um, and, you know, but he's, he's getting those reps in the room. He's already getting to train with all those high level guys. And then you just roll him right out next year. You know, Pletcher's gone and you, he slots right in at 141. And I don't think they, you know, miss a step. Not at all. Not at all. Uh, some other big uh, events that we'll be following this week. Um, Dactronics, we know, is always a huge, huge tournament. Last year, we saw that kind of be uh, Gable Stevenson's first big coming out, welcome to the party uh, tournament. So we'll be keeping an eye on some of the competition there. Um, Penn State, it'll be at the Black Knight Invitational. Um, obviously, seeing the Nittany Lions in action is always great. Um, and maybe we'll even see uh, some, some media upsets there. That'll be kind of fun. Right, yeah, Dectronics is, you know, a tournament that's had high schoolers compete in the past, and um, so that's something you're always kind of hoping to see, really look forward to. It's just kind of an interesting wrinkle. Anytime Penn State's rolling out, it's good, and, you know, it'll be good to see how their guys perform this week. Um, be good to get an update on the Brady Berge situation. Wasn't able to find an entry list, you know, for either of the tournaments, and just being that we're recording this on Thursday and those may be coming out on Friday, you know, we, we can't really dive too deep into it. But we got another good um, event happening this weekend in Raleigh, North Carolina at the Wolfpack Wrestling Club that does have the team list out. So we're able to kind of go ahead and look into it and going to kind of see a mixed bag of attached and unattached guys from, you know, schools like Virginia Tech, App State, NC State. Um, so, you know, a lot, lot of ACC guys. There's some other guys from out of conference that will be there, too. 
Uh, so we'll just kind of dive into some of the guys that we're looking forward to seeing in action, starting it off with a young guy that Virginia Tech is looking to develop, you know, into being, you know, a real title contender at some point in the future for him um, from my home state, Alabama. Uh, at 125, you know, we'll get to see some more action from Sam Latona. Yeah, and we, you and I talked about Latona early this season when he uh, looked really, really solid at the uh, Southeast Open a couple weeks ago, beating uh, Fabian Gutierrez in the final 6-3. And, uh, and like like you alluded with Latona earlier um, in a couple episodes ago, we talked about how he didn't look that great in his wrestle-off, but since then, I mean, the dude's kind of been a ball on fire. Um, and I think uh, the NC State Open is the Wolfpack Open, as they call it down here, is no uh, no slouch of a tournament. So this would be a great uh, measuring stick for Latona again to see where he's at um, to slot in for uh, the Hokies uh, in the next year. Right. When did it change to the Wolfpack Wrestling Club Open? Because to my knowledge, it's always just been the NC State Open. No idea. I know, like, us around here have always just been like, oh, we're going to the Wolfpack, but I didn't even... Or, yeah, or just the Wolfpack. Yeah, I didn't know it was the Wolfpack Wrestling Club open. Right. I don't know. Okay, I was just making sure I wasn't crazy. So then um, at 133, um, a guy that I'm just kind of going to be following the results for is Gabe Hicksonbaugh, who's uh, competing for Bowie's Creek Regional Training Center. Kind of, He's unattached, essentially, for Campbell. Uh, another Alabama guy that was coming out was a you know, pretty solid recruit. I'll be honest, I kind of had wondered what happened to him. I didn't know he ended up landing at Campbell. And so as I was flipping through the entry list here and I saw his name, I just, you know, kind of pegged him as a guy that I'm going to be following. But also we'll see number 21, Cody Russell from App State. Yeah, it's fun to see Hexenbaugh, another one of your home uh, home Alabama boys. Uh, not a ton guys, of got to stick together. Not a ton. And, you know, those dudes are all probably corn-fed farm boys because, um, you know, for us, that's all we think is in Alabama, um, which is crazy because <laughs> Andrew Hensey is just a little stick. Um, <laughs> but uh, but <laughs> Hicks and Ball be a fun guy for uh, the Camels and hopefully we'll slot in uh, with the graduation of uh, Gonzer in the next year. Uh, Cody Russell is an absolute hammer at 133 for App State. I mean, when you talk about the depth of talent at 133 pounds over the last couple of years, um, Cody Russell is a guy who has – been right there in the mix with dudes maybe not winning all his matches but this guy is a guy that just pumps through matches doesn't stop wrestling um and qualified for ncaa's last year he's a really solid guy i think he's a, a 33 pounder to kind of keep an eye on as being a, a a dark horse uh come march on the backside for sure right no doubt up at 141 um a matchup that i'm hoping we actually end up getting to see We'll have Tariq Wilson from NC State who, you know, coming off of the hot year that he had two years ago. Last year, I think, you know, he obviously struggled with injury, struggled with weight, um, kind of had not the results people expected. Um, looking for him, you know, to get right back on track this year, and I, I think he's going to have a great year. I think he's an electrifying wrestler, somebody that's, you know, must-see TV anytime he's on the mat. We'll also have uh, Gabe Tag going unattached for UNC, another young guy that's looking to kind of have someone like Tariq to use as a measuring stick to see where he kind of falls in the landscape of things right now as Tag, you know, looks to be somebody that the Tar Heels use for years to come. Absolutely. And we saw Tag uh, again a couple weeks ago with a great showing at the Wyoming Open, uh, losing a tough match in the finals to uh, UNC Colorado's 
qualifier, Chris Sandoval. So I think, again, like you said, this is another great test tournament for tag. Um, the Wolfpack Open has no shortage of tough guys. Um, and a tag Wilson match would be great. Um, I look forward to seeing Wilson back on the mat and hopefully completely healthy. Um, I know he had uh, a late season injury last year against Luke Pletcher in the Ohio State duel. Um, so I look forward to seeing Tariq up a weight, probably stronger because he was he was a big 33 pounder. Um, so up a weight at 41 and hopefully uh, fully healthy and prepped for a good long tournament run at 141s this year. Yeah, no doubt. And then probably the the weight of the tournament, as I was slipping through it and seeing, it's going to be at 157, where we've got Connor Brady, another young guy going unattached for Virginia Tech. Uh, this guy was a Super 32 champ, Ironman champ, finished uh, his senior year as the number two 152 in the country and the number nine overall recruit coming out. So another young guy that Virginia Tech is looking to, you know, get some experience for as, you know, the – they're setting up to have some really strong lineups in the next couple of years. Also have, you know, the man to beat Hayden Headley from NC state, man, just, you know, can't say enough about that guy. Phil, I'll, I'll never not feel bad for how the semis ended up going last year with Jason Knopf. That was just a, it, whoever you were pulling for, it was still just kind of heartbreaking to see, you know, the look on his face after the match ended. It was, it was just a rough scene. Uh, we'll also have Mason Phillips. I'm um, actually going attached for North Carolina this guy's two-time Fargo champ, Super 32 champ, and 2017 Cadet World member. So you got three really, really quality guys in here. Obviously, you know, you take Headley to beat both of them, but a chance for two young guys to kind of see where they stack up. And anytime you can get a feel and get some experience against the number one guy in the country, you know, is, is going to benefit you in the long run. Yeah, Brady, like you said, is a solid, solid wrestler. Um, he's taken some strange losses in high school and – uh, he did, I don't want to say underperform because the dude's a freshman. Um, he took fifth place at the Southeast Open um, a couple weeks ago. I mean, the kid's a hammer. The kid's a hammer on feet. He's going to be fun to watch. Um, and uh, Mason Phillips is going to be interesting. We're getting rolled out for UNC um, because we know uh, 57 has been an interesting um, spot for the Tar Heels. Um, and we know that uh, Headley's going to be graduating after this year, so I think that's a great guy to slot in um, for AC Headley after the year. But, I mean, like you said, we cannot say enough about Hayden Headley. I mean, the dude is the hammer. He doesn't stop wrestling. He's so, so confident on his feet. Um, his match with Nolf was explosive. It's Everybody remembers that match. Um, and yeah. I think, Don't I like mean, I think this... Match. I wanted to at least see overtime. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, I mean, between Hidley, Caleb Young, and Ryan Deacon, I mean, that might be the biggest field separation from the rest of the guys at 57 this season because I really feel like those three guys are on another level um, and Hidley kind of being the cream of the crop of those three guys. Um, and, and you'll see Hidley against someone in the national finals this year. Yeah, I agree. He's he's definitely the man to beat, and I just I just don't I just don't know if I see it. I mean, there's some quality guys at 57 that I think can push him and test him. Um, there's some matchups I'm definitely excited to see, but I have a hard time not seeing him wrestling at least in the finals. So then moving on up, and 
going back to back, like Isaac and I, NC State going to be rolling out both Bullards, Thomas and Daniel at 65-74. Two, you know, quality guys that were really high recruits, um, twins coming coming out of Archer, Georgia. Haven't quite, you know, produced what some people might would have thought they were going to, but looking to kind of start steering the ship in the right direction is, you know, NC State has a has a good lineup that if you know things fall into place and people uh, are performing come March, you know, could be in in the hunt to try to you know steal a team trophy this year, and they're going to need some production out of the Bullards. Absolutely, NC State's a team that we've seen consistently over the last few years be ranked top twenty-five, but kind of underperform a little bit um, come March time. Uh, we know like Faust was very highly ranked last season, um, obviously. Tariq was really high ranked. Um, obviously, we know Hidley. I mean, hammers and scores points. But the NC State Wolfpack have been a very highly touted team heading into March. And if when they do make a good trophy team push or a top 10 um, finish at NCAAs, the Bullard brothers are some hammers. And those are going to be guys that they need to produce and I think are going to produce uh, a lot of points this season um, in duels. And uh, I think these are going to be two guys that you see qualify for March and maybe make a splash. Right, for sure. And um, always good to see, you know, Georgia wrestling. I've kind of felt for years it's one of the more undervalued uh, states for high school wrestling. There's been some really, really strong talent coming out of there. And uh, NC State and UNC both have really, really been capitalizing on that. And the Bullards were kind of on the forefront of that. They were two of the, you know, the, the first big time recruits to to go off to somewhere like NC State, you know, in, in the recent years where people like followed the Bullards and they were recruited by a lot of big schools. Um, so anytime there's some good stuff for Southeast wrestling, I'm for it. What about Austin Kreiser, a guy you're pretty familiar with? Yeah, so uh, Austin Kreiser um, started for the Camels for a couple years um, at 57. Uh, was actually a freestyle. All-American um, at U23s a couple years ago uh, in a, I mean, I, I'm mildly biased because he's one of my teammates, but he actually wrestled in uh, the semifinals against Evan Wick and was winning the match 6-0, um, gave up a weird kind of chitsy referees uh, four-point call and then gave up a takedown to tie it up at 6-6. And, uh, and in, in the last... I don't know, minute of that match, Kreiser got what seemed to me to be a takedown, at the least a step out. Um, The ref called it no points at all, and uh, Wick ended up beating him. uh, I think it was 8-8 criteria. Um, So we know Kreiser can compete at the top level. Um, I think it's pretty interesting to see him up at 74. Uh, I hope that he's uh, as strong and big and fast at 74 as – and effective as he has been at 57. Um, so that would just be kind of a fun one to watch, um, especially with the Camels looking to be a team that could potentially qualify, um, and albeit in a very weak conference, qualify 10 guys um, for the NCAA tournament this year. So that's just a fun one to follow. Right, no doubt. So then moving on, uh, we got two, you know, last week we had Penn State roll out their lineup for the first time, answered a lot of questions. We've seen Ohio State a couple times. So really the two last, you know, dominoes we've been waiting to follow are Oklahoma State and Iowa. We got to see some things with Iowa with their not wrestle off, wrestle off things. 
Um, but, you know, we haven't really seen what they're finally going to roll out. Oklahoma State, we kind of, you know, we speculated. We kind of have an idea of what it was going to be. But they're both going to wrestle this weekend. We're going to see them live in action. Um, well, let's start with Oklahoma State. They'll be taking on Drexel. And so listed for the probables, here's what Oklahoma State's rolling out. Number four, Nick Piccinini, Reese Whitcraft. Number 10, Caden Goodfeller. Number eight, Boo Lewallen. Uh, Wyatt Sheets at 157. Then we actually got a good match at 165. Number 25, Travis Whitlake taking on number 12, Evan Gerald from Drexler. Or Drexler, from uh, Clyde Drexler. <laughs> <laughs> Drexel. Um, up at 174, number six, Joe Smith. Number four, Dakota Gear, Anthony Montalvo. And then rounding it out at heavyweight, Cornelius Putnam. What are you thinking about the Cowboys? I mean, it's tough um, to lose a guy like Dayton Fix this year to an Olympic redshirt. Um, it's also really tough to lose a heavyweight like Derek White um, and to replace a heavyweight like Derek White and to replace a uh, national finalist like Fix with Wheatcraft, uh, Whitcraft and Putnam. Um, so I think this is going to be a really good test of where they fall, maybe not in terms of national rankings, but in terms of, OK, are these guys that uh, the Cowboys see getting to March and then. I mean, that kind of sets your season up from there. Um, Pitch, as we know, is a hell of an explosive wrestler. Uh, The dude is very, very confident on his feet and very confident on top. Um, We all know the biggest moment maybe in college wrestling last year outside of uh, conference and uh, the national championship was pitching any pinning, number one ranked, two-time defending, national champion Spencer Lee in a cradle and an absolutely bananas match. Um, I think one of the things that I'm looking for Piccinini to start to be better at this year is against the top dudes between Mueller, Lee, uh, Rivera, if we see him drop back down 25, and then uh, what's our young guy from Princeton, Pat Glory. Um, I think Pitch has to get better at getting off bottom against those guys because those guys that are hammers on top um, do sometimes have a tendency to get riding time on pitch. We saw it at the NCAA tournament. He did give up uh, a little bit of riding time. Um, So I look for him to be a hammer this year at getting off bottom, getting back to his ties on feet and just crushing kids. Um, And he's a dude that obviously is going to contend for a national title this year. Um, Gefeller is a guy that the Cowboys have been super high on. Um, He had the huge match at Southern Scuffle. A couple years ago with Nick Lee in the finals, uh, pinning Nick Lee, if I remember correctly, with an inside trip um, that kind of put him on the big, big time radar. Um, But he hasn't quite put it all together like in a single conducive season yet. Um, He was a little bit of a letdown come March uh, last year. So I look at uh, no pun intended him getting right back on the horse and, uh, and and being a huge point scorer this year. Um, in the same breath is a guy like Boo Llewellyn, who uh, we know kind of broke out of the scene as a backup to uh, Gio Martinez for a little bit, and then goes out of scuffle a couple years ago and <laughs> beats Bryce Meredith, which was kind of like, oh, that's interesting because this is the Cowboys' backup. Um, and then Boo has uh, an All-American uh, podium spot under his belt, and I mean, he's a dude, again, at a 149-pound weight class that... We've talked about Andrew being pretty stinking wide open. I mean, 
this dude right. has the opportunity to really uh, exceed that number eight ranking. I mean, the number one guy is literally in a cast right now. Yeah. So <laughs> if that doesn't tell you how wide open that weight class can be this season, I mean, I don't know what does. Buluwelm's a guy that uh, has the talent and potential to compete for a national title at 49. Um, Wyatt Sheets is a guy that I really like. Um, he's actually the son of the legendary Mike Sheets. Um, for those of you guys who like don't know who Mike Sheets was, uh, Mike Sheets was essentially the uh, kind of founder of the leg ride on top with a nasty. Oh, I thought you were going to say like Sheets Coffee, the gas station. Yeah, right. No, the nasty figure four cast over bringing the head with you uh, turn. That was his dad, Mike Sheets, basically his bread and butter and where that the Sheets leg ride for those of you purist wrestlers um, have heard from. So Wyatt Sheets is a guy that I think uh, maybe makes a little bit of a splash at 57 this year. Um, I've been around that kid, seen him wrestle. I've been around his dad a couple times. Um, so that's kind of fun. Whitlake is a freak Oregon boy. Uh, and I think this is going to be a great test for him against Gerald. Um, I know Whitlake did take uh, a loss that to some people was kind of surprising um, to Matthew Feinsilver in freestyle because um, freestyle has kind of been Whitlake's bread and butter. Um, but translating that to the college level um, is always very different. So he's he's a young uh, redshirt freshman that I think you have to keep an eye on this season um, and, and look for him to produce big for the Cowboys early on and especially into his career. Um, and then, I mean, what do you think, Andrew, about Joe Smith back at 74? Title contender, no Title doubt. Title contender? Yeah, I think he's a guy that, I mean, I'm not I'm not here to just go ahead and put my name on it, that he can beat Mark Hall or anything, don't get me wrong, but, man, he he's problems. You know, we saw him up at 74 last year at the scuffle, and he absolutely broke David McFadden. I mean, th- this guy is so talented on his feet, wrestles with a high pace, you know, really good in positions and hand fighting, um, just incredibly talented, has, you know, struggled, you know, a little bit with the injury, mostly with weight. They ended up dropping him down to 65 at the end of last year. We know now in hindsight that did not really go the way they were hoping. And I'm telling you, he's number six right now, but I think what Cutler's number two, I mean, Are you telling me Joe Smith can't beat Cutler? Yeah, no, I completely agree. I know um, for me personally, I was I was pretty bummed uh, to see JoJo Smith um, drop down to 65 last year and uh, and take a spot from a teammate, which kind of bummed me out. Who I really liked, but to your point, I mean. Joe Smith is healthy and I think much stronger and better at 74 this year. Um, I mean, he is, he is so, so good. Um, and maybe in other years, I mean, he does have, if he's healthy, um, an NCAA title to his name. Um, but I think this is a year that you kind of see him break out a little bit at 74s, um, his last year and, uh, and push some guys and maybe make a, uh, a finals run. Right, I'm I'm telling you, I'm just uh, I'm here for Joe Smith versus Mark Hall. I want to see it. I'm also just go ahead and put it on paper. Pretty big Oklahoma State fan, pretty big Joe Smith fan. So that might be a little biased, but I, I'm definitely I'm here for that. <laughs> just a little bit. Um, at 184, 
we know Dakota Gear, man, is a hoss. I mean, this dude is another just physically imposing, strong, very technical wrestler yeah. um, on his feet. Uh, a guy that has, I mean, not necessarily struggled, but when you look at, like, consistency at the highest, highest level, dude has taken a couple weird, strange losses here and there. But, oh, boy, Dakota Gear is another guy that, outside of Zahid Valencia and I mean I still think Taylor Venz um will climb the rankings that he for very quickly but this is another guy that absolutely has the capability of uh being in the national finals this year right yeah I think aside from Zahid and then you know Venz ends up being super super good who knows but outside of, you know, Zahid, really, that whoever's going to end up opposite him is pretty wide open. You know, we just saw number, I believe, what, Nino was number four, and we just saw him go down. Um, don't get me wrong, it could be Andrew Morgan. Maybe not Andrew Morgan, but it would be sweet if it was. But, yeah, 184 is definitely a weight where a lot of teams that are, you know, looking to get in in the title hunt and the trophy hunt, whatever it is, is a weight where a lot of teams can kind of make up some ground. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, Gear hasn't uh, hasn't quite broken through to that top tier yet, but the dude is a returning All-American. So, I mean, and there's only few and far very many returning All-Americans. Um, yeah, look for Gear to be a guy that, again, makes a splash for the Cowboys this season and makes a splash for the Cowboys come March. Right. So I think, you know, just looking at this lineup, just quick glance, I'm, you know, not overly impressed, but, you know, then I kind of started thinking about it, and this team has a lot of wiggle room to go up, so uh, I started looking, you know, right at 125, you know, with Piccinini. Spencer Lee is going to be wrestling, you know, kind of an altered schedule the whole year, and he does have, you know, a win over him in their last match. We have no clue what's going to happen with Sebastian Rivera. We have no clue what's going to happen with Jack Mueller. Vito is taking a red shirt. Um, I'm assuming Pat Glory is still wrestling at 125 right now for all intensive purposes. But outside of that, Piccinini is very, very likely, you know, going to be wrestling in the finals against Spencer Lee. You know, if if you remove Mueller and Sebastian Rivera, really, he's got to he's got to get through, you know, Pat Glory likely in the semifinals if that's how it fell. But you know, this is a guy that can really, really push for a title. Then, uh, you know, then nothing but good news coming out of the room about Reese Whitcraft. Obviously, he's not dating Fix, but, you know, look for him to slot in and be productive. Would be nice if Cade Brock was there at 33 also. They're going to be missing him. Um, Caden Gefeller, this is kind of, uh, I'm putting it out there a little earlier than I wanted to, but when I saw that he was going to be down at 41, again, this might be a little bit of a biased pick. I think uh, Caden Gefeller is definitely – he's right there with somebody like Real Woods that's a sleeper pick to be in the finals that people aren't really talking about. I think he's super, super talented. Had a great year last year up until you know until the NCAA tournament where he went 0-2, but I don't think he was completely healthy. <laughs> he also uh, you know, wasn't, wasn't probably not at the ideal weight last year, up at 149 with Bula Wallen being injured. Then that actually takes us to Bula Wallen, who, you know, word from the Oklahoma State room is this guy is possibly the best dude in the room. There's been nothing but just ridiculous praise about this guy from the time that he stepped foot on campus and between injury, between being 
behind Dean Hall and battling with Gio Martinez and battling with Caden. You know, he's just had some tough breaks since he's been there, but, you know, looking for him to finally, you know, get a year to really put it all on display. The two weights that I circle that I think Oklahoma State needs to get a lot of productivity out if they want to try to break into that top three with Penn State, Iowa, and Ohio State is 57 and 65. You know, if if Wyatt Sheets ends up being a guy, you know, if, if they can get him on the podium, and if Travis Whitley, you know, turns out to kind of be the blue chipper that people thought he was going to be, and I know 165 is really deep, so cracking the podium is not an easy task at all at that weight. But, man, if they can get some real productivity there, I feel like that really, really increases, you know, their their total team score come March. You know, we already talked about how Joe Smith could be a finalist. We talked about the, you know, upside with Dakota Gear. And then, you know, I'm, I'm not sure what we're going to get out of Montalvo and, you know, Cornelius Putnam the whole year. Really, you know, anything you can get there is just going to be bonus. It's just, you know, those heavier weights sometimes, you know, but strange things happen, especially at, like, heavyweight where – if one guy gets caught on his back, you know, that can be the end of the match right then and there. Um, so if they're able to, you know, score some team points at 97 and heavyweight with those guys too, that'd be big. But I think the way that the weight classes fall at 125 with, you know, red shirts and people bumping up, this, that, and the other, um, I, I just, I circle that as one place that they really, you know, like Nick Piccinini is definitely a title threat this year. Um, I'm looking for Reese Whitcraft to, to crack the podium at 133, too. So I think Oklahoma State, although they're kind of knocked down a tier right now in everybody's perception going into the season, I think come March, if the Cowboys are firing on all cylinders, or right there in the trophy hunt. Absolutely, absolutely. This will be a fun one. And speaking of uh, our boy Piccinini, the guy that <clears throat> we hope to see in the national finals at 125, the Iowa Hawkeyes finally roll out their probable lineup against the Chattanooga uh, team of, yes, thank you. Of, well, I, was, I got confused because it's UTC. It doesn't say Chattanooga. University, that's not how it works. It's University of Tennessee, Chattanooga, whatever. The Mocs, um, who are a uh, <clears throat> product of the SOCON, uh, where the Campbell Campbells are. Um, and walk us through the lineup that you see Iowa rolling out uh this week andrew so i'm gonna give you what's listed um you know at 25 we've, we've got number one spencer lee this is where things get a little hairy at 33 we have number two DeSanto or paul glenn or gavin teasdale then at 141 DeSanto or carter happel um number seven pat lugo number two caleb young number two alex marinelli Number three, Michael Cameron. Number 12, Cash Wilkie. Number seven, Jacob Warner. Number 12, Anthony Cassiope. If you didn't notice, a lot of really high-ranked guys through there. A lot of top-ranked guys, obviously headlined by your two-time defending champion in Spencer Lee. I think this is a great first duel, especially for Lee. Um, He'll have the opportunity to wrestle uh, Fabian Gutierrez, who um, is no slouch, but I mean, we're talking about especially here. We're talking about the guy that is Mr. March, doesn't lose come NCAA tournament time, dominates everybody come NCAA tournament time with just the calmest, coolest cucumber in all of NCAA wrestling, maybe. Um, I'm very high on Lee. I like the way he wrestles, obviously. Um, but this 33-41 question mark is, I think, going to be something you follow with the Hawkeyes this whole season, depending on the production you get out of Teasdale. Um, Teasdale did beat Paul Glenn in the 
pseudo wrestle-offs that Iowa had. He beat him 2-1. to one. Um, So I think you'll see Teasdale at 33 this week. But depending on the production that the Hawkeyes get out of Teasdale over the season, do you see DeSanto come back down? Is DeSanto a legitimate 41-pounder like we've talked about? 41 is another very competitive weight that extends uh, very deep in terms of the talent pool. I mean, we've talked about real. We just very recently talked about Gefeller. DeSanto slots right into that mix of guys that can go out and compete with Pletcher. Obviously, we know DeSanto um, placed the same weight as Pletcher last season at 33. So we know that those guys are on pretty similar levels. Um, so I think it'd be pretty interesting to see DeSanto at 41. Um, Lugo being a one-time AA is a guy that you're looking to uh, see maybe produce even more for the Hawkeyes this year at 149. Again, another way that we're, we really don't have a clear-cut favorite, especially with uh, Austin O'Connor being injured. Um, so, I mean, that's a fun thing to follow. I'm excited to see what Lugo does this year because I like his style as well. And then 57 and 65 are two dudes who the Hawkeye faithful truly believe should be national champs this year. Obviously, we know Marinelli has a couple of big wins over Vincenzo Joseph, um, but has kind of struggled to find Vincenzo come March time. Uh, And Caleb Young had a great NCAA run last year. Um, He beat Deacon a couple times last year, but hasn't quite been able to hang in there with Hayden Hidley. So I think those are two guys that you see this year maybe jump levels and uh, and definitely compete for national titles and national championships. Right. I'll tell you, one, one uh, match that I've got circled I'm excited to see is going to be Iowa versus Iowa State. I'm, I want to see Caleb Young, David Carr. I think it'll tell us a lot about both guys. We have a measuring stick to know, you know kind of where Caleb Young was at least last year. And then we have, at least in our head, where we think David Carr is. And obviously he has, you know, incredible results from the past and including his redshirt year last year. I think we'll learn a lot about both of them and where they fall in this top, you know, four or five of 157 whenever we see that match. Um, I think it's good. We see only Spencer Lee listed at 125. You know, we're kind of expecting him to wrestle a on and off schedule this year with the whole freestyle thing. Um so that's good. You know, it's the only one listed at 125, so it's good to see he's going to be kicking it off against UTC. I was uh, interested. All right, so Carter Happel is, you know, he's he's listed as the other at 141, but he didn't wrestle at wrestle at the quote unquote wrestle offs. So I'm not real sure, you know, what was going on there, why he didn't wrestle there, if they're just putting his name there, but really it's going to be the Santo all along. You know, who knows. Um, you know, also notice no Max Murin, so that's uh, definitely notable. Not not really sure where Max Murin falls in all of this right now. Lugo, you know, like you you mentioned, is a guy that has been solid. They're kind of looking to get a little more productivity out of him than they have in the last year or two. Um, obviously, as you're saying, Alex Marinelli, he's right there to win the title. Sometimes matchups matchups matter, and you know, if the way the bracket falls, if he if he can fall on the same side of the bracket as Vincenzo Joseph, he'll probably be the only person in the country that will be excited about that. Um, you know, it's just one of those, for some reason, he, he's, his style matchup, whatever it may be, you know, we kind of talked about it last episode. He, he kind of has Vincenzo, he has his number. Um, the problem is, 
he didn't make it to him last year. You know, he fell early in the tournament. So he's the guy they're looking to get a title out of. I'm pumped that Michael Cameron is the only guy listed at 74. I wouldn't be surprised if he's kind of on a pitch count situation this year, um, you know, given his past injury history. And just like we were saying with Joe Smith, Michael Cameron, I think he can make the finals. I don't quite think he can beat Mark Hall. I, I just I don't know if the matchup's good. I think he might kind of play right into Mark's counter offense a little too much. But, you know, he's a guy that I can definitely see as a finalist. And, you know, I mean, he could definitely challenge Mark Hall. He's super talented if he's healthy. Um, Cash Wilkie, a guy, you know, that they've seen some productivity out of the last couple of years. But 184 is going to be another pretty crazy weight all year. So he's a guy that they're looking to, you know, if they can push him into, you know, the top six or so will be a super bump for their team. Um, then, you know, you got Jacob Warner, who had a pretty breakout year last year. He was a super, super solid guy for him. He uh, started the year off a little slow, I believe, but then, you know, come March, he kind of started to round into form. And coming into this year, I know expectations are really high for Jacob Warner and Anthony Cassiope, who we saw, you know, have a, a little bit of mixed results last year, um, you know, kind of wrestling behind Sam Stoll most of the time, but towards the end of the year and then especially over the summer in freestyle, we're kind of starting to see more of the Anthony Cassiope people were expecting. Absolutely. And Cassiope is a dude that was a high, highly touted heavyweight recruit that I think we start to see jump levels this year at a heavyweight weight class that is pretty interesting outside of Kassar. Um, if you don't see Stevenson return, maybe taking a red shirt or whatnot, um, pending what happens in the Minnesota room. But, I mean, Cassiope is a guy that you could see moving up the rankings really quickly, um, especially with how touted he has been. And maybe uh, we see make a deep March push. I think it's great to see Kemmerer back on the mat, fully healthy, up at 174. I mean, the dude's a hammer. I mean, what what do you what do you got to do in the Iowa room? You they just eat bolts and nuts and their opponents' bones for breakfast to go from 57 all the way up to 74 like Kemmerer's done over the last couple of years. I mean, the dude's a tank. Um, yeah, it's almost like he took the the year that he was off. He just went you know went over to Stillwater and was like, hey, Coach Smith, how do I do this? Yeah. And they uh, they Hulk guy bulk up bulk jobbed him. Full-on bulk job, dude. So I look forward to seeing Kemmer get rolled out. Um, and I, I truly do think in terms of matchups and in terms of deep marchability, the Hawkeyes have kind of underperformed um, in terms of guys that you put into the national finals in the last couple of years, obviously stunting their ability to beat Penn State. But I think this is a year that uh, they match up pretty well with Penn State head-to-head and, uh, and definitely have an opportunity to unseat the Nittany Lions as a national championship. Right. So I think that's one thing is um through this, you know, crazy title run that Penn State has been on, a big part of it is because they overperform come March. You know, they they're putting five or six guys in the finals and winning all the matches. They're going, you know, twenty seven of thirty in the semifinals, something crazy like that. You know, like they're overperforming or at least not getting, you know, they're not having guys stub their toe in the first or second round. And Iowa in the last, you know, seven or eight years, they they've been somewhat underperforming at NCAA. You know, they've they've had some guys getting picked off early in the tournament, that you know, losing some matches that they probably should be winning. And so if they really, really want to try to win the title this year, they're gonna need all these guys to wrestle, you know, to their maximum potential. Because to take out, you know, a team and a dynasty as great as Penn State's been, 
you know, you have to be great yourself. So I got another question for you. Does Teasdale have a red shirt left? I don't quite know how they counted the year as eligibility last year. I don't, I have no clue. I mean, I'm, I'm figuring that since uh, he was on the roster for part of the year, he probably forfeits like half a year. So he might have like that half a red shirt ish thing left. Kind of like Mason Smith here at Campbell who can only wrestle a second semester. Maybe it's a situation similar to that. Um, I, I mean, again, I don't even know if DeSanto has a red shirt to burn. I think he might even have a red shirt to burn with his transfer from Drexel. Yeah, Lee does. has a red shirt to burn. I mean, right. those those three weight classes, the Hawkeyes have a plethora of different things they can do. We know Ironman coming in next year, um, slotting in either at 41 or 49. I mean, you could interchange all of these guys all over the place, and they're going to compete for national uh, championships. Right, so the, the reason I kind of bring that up is – I feel like Paul Glenn is mentioned for a reason. Um, I thought, you know, I figured maybe it'd just be DeSanto or Teasdale and then DeSanto or Happel. Um, if Teasdale does have a red shirt left, do we maybe see DeSanto at 41 and actually Paul Glenn at 33 for now? You got to imagine, like, they're, they're sending Teasdale or DeSanto this year. They just have to. They have to put their best team come March. But if Teasdale does have a red shirt available, you know, if, if he's not looking as good as they were hoping, do they just keep rolling Paul Glenn out until DeSanto can come down to 33 and then they roll out, you know, Carter Happel or Max Murin at 41? Um, I'm not sure. I don't know the Teasdale red shirt situation with the whole transfer last year. Um, you know, and they may have just listed Paul Glenn, you know, who knows? Yeah, absolutely. And like we talked about, Glenn is a guy that can compete. So maybe, uh, maybe this is the year that, the Hawkeyes think, look, Glenn, you can produce for us, and we're going to slot you in this season. Right. It was a you know close match between him and Teasdale at the not wrestle off wrestle offs. Um, so it's, it's not like you know you're rolling somebody out there as a sacrificial lamb. No, not by any means. Right. So I guess that moves us on to the thing we're probably most excited about Saturday, <laughs> two o'clock p.m. I assume Pacific time. At Burnham Pavilion in Palo Alto, California, we got the number 17 North Carolina Tar Heels going to take on the Stanford Cardinal. Woo-woo! Go Cardinal! Obviously, this one might be a little bit more interesting um, in terms of score and our realistic predictions. Um, so, yeah, let's get started. At, at 125, uh, we have either Hold on just a second. Uh-oh, Before we do this, I may have something developing. Um, oh, let's hear it. Let's let's do let's do the cues first. Okay, we're gonna go to uh, our questions just real quick. Well, uh, we sort some interesting stuff out about the uh, Stanford duel. Um, but just quickly, some fun uh, questions that we got this week from some of our fun homies and listeners um, from our boys over at the uh, wrestling fantasy wrestling deal, kind of like your fantasy football from our friends at Techfall Fantasy Wrestling. They were asking, uh, for those of you that play, uh, I guess, I don't know if it's play. Yeah, play fantasy wrestling, I guess. Uh, I don't play and wrestling just doesn't sound right <laughs> because we always make jokes. You don't play wrestle. Um, but that play uh, the fantasy wrestling uh, deal, uh, you asked, uh, should you start bench cut between Zahid, Spencer Lee, and Seth Gross? And to me, I mean, I have a pretty clear um, – decision on those three i mean again those are all three hammers those are three guys that are going to get you uh bonus points 
but in my opinion, I'm starting Zahid Valencia. I'm benching Seth Gross. And I am going to cut Spencer Lee. And here's why. Valencia is a guy that consistently, no matter who he wrestles, is going to go out there and he's going to score bonus points. 100%. Not to say that Spencer and Gross won't, but Zahid's another guy that's returning national champ that just hammers, 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 hammers away. The reason that I take Zahid over Spencer and Gross is this. Seth Gross is currently registered this weekend at the Bill Farrell at 57 kilograms. But he is competing for the Badgers at 133. To me, that means that Gross is maintaining a weight that's not quite optimal in terms of wrestling at 133, which says that he's going to have some matches at 133 that might be a little bit closer than what you would expect because he's not training at 133. He's training for close to 125. So I think you keep him on your bench for later in the season um, if he uh, does not qualify for the Olympic trials, um, he's going to be that same prolific bonus score guy. The reason that I say he cut Spencer Lee is every single year that Lee has competed for the Hawkeyes, we know he puts up big points, but the Hawkeyes in some duels give their backups a lot of time to wrestle. We've seen, we saw Perez Perez get rolled out three or four times last year, not necessarily because Lee was suffering from injury, but because normal stuff happens, he tweaks his knee a little bit. Last year, I remember um, he got uh, got kind of sick and had a little bit of a, a flu issue. Um, so that's that's personally why I think I would take Zahid as your starter in terms of being your big time point scorer with Gross sitting and Patamian. It's weird to say, but cutting Spencer Lee. I mean, if you're asking guys that it just I, doesn't sound right. Right. If you're asking me guys that I think that are going to win a national title this year, I'm probably putting Spencer number one over Gross and Zahid. But in terms of uh, fantasy wrestling season, I'm taking Zahid over those other two. Right. That's that's true. Um. So you know, I I definitely I, I see a lot of the points you made there. I actually almost had the same answer, but I was like, ah, you know, I've got to change it. I can't just have the same answer. That's not very interesting. So I think I do still leave Zahid starting. Um, I think a big part of this, I I view it from a couple different perspectives, not just even the you know scoring points for fantasy. I think that was a good good way to kind of view this question. I might would have answered mine different if that's the perspective I would have taken. Um, but I, I was just kind of viewing it for them as a whole. And I think Zahid is somebody, you know, with his international, you know, uh, goals that he, you know, he wants to achieve, he's kind of working his way up in weight anyway. So weight is not an issue for him. He's a guy that, you know, isn't planning on taking the Olympic red shirt, obviously. So in, in his mind, he can wrestle both freestyle and folk style or well wrestle folk style while still, you know, wanting to achieve all his freestyle goals and it makes sense with his style of wrestling and folk style you know that a lot of it translates right on over so i don't think he's a guy that necessarily has to do one or the other i think he can have both going on at the same time and be completely fine so you said you were benching gross and cutting spencer right yep okay so i'm, I'm gonna pull the old switcheroo here um i'm actually gonna bench Spencer Lee, I'm going to cut Seth Gross. And the reason I'm going to cut Seth Gross is I'm looking at this for the entire team. 
you know, we only get one year of Seth Gross, and he's kind of struggling with the weight and whatnot, and obviously he's got these big dreams of, you know, being a world Olympic champion. I know it's tough because he just transferred to the school and followed Bono, so it's like, ah, you know, you don't want to cut the guy that just, you know, gave up everything and packed up and came with you. But I'm saying, look, man, it's okay, you know, we only got one year of you. I'm just going to let you go. You go get your weight right. Do what you need to do to try to be a world Olympic champion. You know, we appreciate what you've done for us. Then I'm taking another look here at Spencer Lee, who in a lot of people's mind may have, you know, a a better shot. And this is completely people's opinion because I think these guys are right on the same level. But, uh, oh, Hold on. Did I just I just reread the question. This means cut from your fantasy team? I thought this just means cut from the team team. That's why I was like, man, I just, I'm not cutting any of these guys. Oh, <laughs> that changes the whole question. I was, I, was like, I, was like, I was like, wait a minute. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, bro, I'm, I'm cutting him. I'm sending him pack, and I'm saying, hey, buddy, just go work on, you know, freestyle. Man, I was just going to bench Spencer Lee and say, hey, bud, we're going to bench you. And you get right, try to make this Olympic team, and you can just roll right out there in March and possibly still turn everyone with a bar. Oh, man, so from my fantasy team, I think that changes it up a little bit. Um, so there, I originally I would have started Seth Gross, but given the, you know this whole weight issue thing, I don't know if that's the play. I'm actually going to start Spencer Lee because... I think Spencer bonuses almost everyone at 125. I know we saw him have, you know, some kind of mixed results last year. You know, he took a couple losses, but we always know when March comes, he turns it on. And everyone outside of, you know, because this is also assuming we don't really know what we're going to get with Mueller or Seabass. You know, outside of uh, those two, Piccinini is probably the only one you know, that he that he may not bonus. I think, you know, he, he tech-falled Pat Glory last year. So I think he's going to put up the most points come NCAAs. Um, let's see. Dang, man, that just flipped the whole question on his head for me. <laughs> so now i got to bench one of these guys and cut one of these guys from my team. Somebody gets to pick them up. Can I just bench them both? <laughs> mm. What's crazy, too, about Spencer, by the way, is, and just a little interesting wrinkle is, yeah, Spence did tech. Pat Glory, and he looked like a hammer. But later in the season, Pat Glory rode out Spencer Lee, That's actually true. turned Spencer Lee, and ended up getting riding time out of it. So, yeah. I mean, That's and and to true. me, that preaches the same thing, like we're talking about just in the fantasy wrestling perspective and in the long season perspective, is there are times where Spencer Lee underperforms in the regular season. Right. Right, I agree. So, oh man, with that being said, man, I got to bench one of these guys. Holy cannoli, and I got to get rid of somebody. Yeah, the cut part's You know what? I'm going to, I'm I'm still going to cut gross. Um, okay. Not from my team. You can stick around the team. Um, you're, just, you're cut from my fantasy team, but you are indeed still an NCAA wrestler. <laughs> I was sending you packing. Um, I, I think part of that, you know, a lot of the reasons that, you know, you, you had kind of talked about, alluded to, you know, with uh, with benching him. But I think some other things I'm taking into account is I am still pretty much, you know, I'm, I'm very aware 
that we may see both Mueller and Sebastian Rivera up at 133, and we may see Austin DeSanto down at 133. Now, I do think DeSanto is actually a terrible matchup for him. I think Gross probably turns him three or four times. Uh, I think that one might could get out of hand. But a big part of uh, Gross's bonus projection coming into the year was just how dominant he was compared to everyone else in the field. But I think the field could be getting tougher as the season goes. So I'm actually going to cut him. I'm going to bench Zahid. You know, let's tell him, go, go get in the weight room a little more. Let's get you a little bigger. Uh, you know, we'll let you hang out outside in Tempe for a little bit, get a little darker. You know, you just work on the 700-tooth smile for the camera when you went on Saturday night. And come March, you might be the guy, you know, that, that we're plugging back in. But for now, we're going to roll with Spencer Lee. Man, God, I had to turn that whole thing around. That's tough. <laughs> Sheesh. Um, that's a good question, dude. That was a, that's a hard question that's to answer. That's a head scratcher. I love it. Um, and then the other question we got from our buddy Sam Herring. Um, and Andrew, I definitely want to hear your opinion on this since, I mean, obviously we do this together. But, like, what are some of the challenges, Sam asked, of starting a brand-new podcast? And why did you guys decide to start your own? Right, so um, I guess we'll, uh, let's start with why we decided to start our own. So I'm somebody that is just an absolute wrestling fanatic. Um, I, d- I actually didn't get into wrestling until later on in high school, but from the first day that I stepped on a wrestling mat, I just absolutely fell in love with the sport. I was obsessed with it. My homepage on my laptop all through school was Float Wrestling. I just watched technique videos all the time. I watched all these old matches. I was like playing catch up to try to get where all current wrestling fans were. And, you know, it, it never really slowed down, even to the point where, you know, when I was done competing in wrestling, I still, you know, I watch everything I can get my hands on. I still, I'm just obsessed with the sport. And, I'm kind of a nerd, like uh, for stats and brackets and whatnot. I, I love digging through brackets and seeing who beat who and how. And I, I love any time, you know, different teams, social media, they put out, you know, statistics and whatnot. I just, I, I love all things that are nerd wrestling in a sense. Uh, then it, it even went kind of a step further when I was doing my undergraduate school and for athletic training and uh, got to do some clinical rotations spent six months out at Stanford and six months at the university of Wyoming and, you know, being around coach Borelli and Blake and at the time Jamil was there and coach Tara Pelly. Um, and then obviously all the high level wrestlers there just being kind of in that environment every day for six months and seeing just all the ins and outs of it around these guys and how, you know, high caliber they are and, just how their brains work and their how high their wrestling IQ and whatnot is. And then out, out at Wyoming, you know, with Coach Branch and Coach Kyle and Tion and McKay, like, you know, it was the same thing. And so I was just surrounded by these people that also just love wrestling all the time. And I was like, man, th- you know, th- this sport is the greatest thing on earth. And I love to follow it. I love everything about it. And so <clears> – <throat> For a couple of years, you know, I kind of wanted to, you know, have some way to talk about, you know, my opinions, my views, um, some different things I saw, you know, as I was following wrestling. And, you know, early on, the you know, podcasting wasn't exactly big yet. And then it started growing. And I was like, man, I, I want to do a podcast. I want to do a podcast. I want to do a podcast. But 
I just never really had time. And then, you know, coming into this year, everything just, just really worked out. And I was like, man, this is going to be the first year that I really have time to do it. The NCAA team race this year is going to be bananas. If there's ever a time for me to start it, now is it. So that's kind of how I got to where I am right now. I like it. I like it. Um, part of the reason I decided to do this, um, well, aside from the fact that uh, Andrew actually kind of tossed, pitched, pitched me this idea um, a couple months ago, and I said, oh, you know, that sounds kind of fun. Um, I've been around wrestling my whole life. Uh, my dad uh, wrestled uh, for uh, Stanford, was a four-year starter there, wrestled in the Navy, um, wrestled on uh, the Greco Olympic ladder for a little bit, uh, and was uh, under the tutelage of the late and the legendary Dave Schultz um, when Schultz coached with Chris Horpel at Stanford, um, and Dave Lee, who was a undefeated 1989 national champ for Wisconsin. So those are kind of the um, both heroes and uncles that I grew up around wrestling with, along with my um, my high school coach was a 1988 uh, Greco uh, Olympian um, wrestling for the U.S. in Seoul, um, Korea. And then um, my entire life of wrestling has been uh, based almost exclusively in Colorado around the Olympic Training Center. Um, and so what's really fun is I've, I've been around and spent time with a lot of the guys that you see on uh, the Olympic ladder, on the Olympic team. Um, I actually was uh, at the Nebraska uh, Olympic Regional Training Camp with Jordan Burroughs um, in 2013 when he broke his ankle and still won a world title. We were actually with him when he broke his ankle um, doing some drills and whatnot. Um, so I've, I've just grown up around um, some elite, elite wrestling um, in the U.S. and internationally my entire life um, with like the Belblazov brothers who are um, seven and eight time world and Olympic champions from Russia. Um, so I, I just love wrestling as a whole. I was just kind of an OK um, 500 wrestler uh, in college and, and, and a slightly above average high school wrestler. But I love the sport and I feel like uh in terms of knowledge and of guys that I know, um, and just about every single weight class across the NCAA platform, I could give you a few guys that I've either grown up with, wrestled with personally, or have some sort of friendly relationship with. And I think that's a great um, piece that I can kind of add with Andrew's knowledge of literally working with these guys as an AT um, that kind of help build our uh, credibility for our, our little podcast. Right. Yeah. I feel like that was one of the cool things we knew when we kind of got started with this was being, you know, from the Denver area, you, you've been around just all kinds of high level wrestlers. And then obviously with your brother out at Stanford and you wrestling at Campbell and then the time I spent at Stanford and at Campbell and some of the, you know, some of the bigger name guys from down in the Southeast that I've, you know, had experience with, um, you know, we, we just had a lot of insight into a lot of these guys because, you know, we're close to the same age as a lot of them, you know, just, I don't know. It's, I feel like, you know, a lot of wrestling analysts and people in media and whatnot are, you know, some 10 years or whatever, maybe older. And so, you know, there's a difference. They're out here reporting on 20 year olds where, you know, they don't maybe think like 20 year olds. They don't maybe know what's going on in the heads of these guys and whatnot. And, you know, they're just living in different times. Whereas, you know, these guys aren't just, you know, wrestlers to us. Like, they're, they're our buddies. Like, we know these people personally. 
And so I just, I feel like we view the whole thing through a different lens. And, you know, sometimes also it doesn't hurt that we have a little inside scoop on some stuff, being that we know a handful of people personally. <laughs> uh, so that was definitely some motivation to get started with it, too. So you, you want to lead us off with uh, what you thought some of the challenges of starting a new podcast are? Yeah, I think some of the challenges um, and especially some of the things that will probably be shaping is, uh, well, first, Andrew and I like don't necessarily do this full time. We don't get paid to do this. Um, so we are a little bit limited in terms of resources. Um, obviously, I know like our microphones and whatnot don't exactly sound like we're inside of a perfectly enclosed recording studio just yet. Um, so I think that's a little bit of a challenge. Um, it's a little bit of a challenge to not be able to have access to certain aspects of technology in terms of we can't give you um, explicitly where we start different segments of our podcast for you to just kind of forward to if you're interested in one particular spot or not. But I think that's also a fun thing that uh, makes our broadcast um, and our podcast has the ability to cover a breadth of knowledge that you can listen to. Um, and maybe even just understand or learn uh, here or there. But I think some of those were some of the biggest challenges where um, we do lack some of the resources. Um, and I mean, it's it, it's something that Andrew and I um, feel very passionate about and enjoy doing. Um, so we do seek out and make the time, but some days, sometimes um, we just don't have the time. And so sometimes our casts, are a little inconsistent in terms of the exact times and dates that we do them. Um, so I think those are some of the challenges that we've experienced just in this kind of learning process. I mean, we're only five episodes in. Right. Yeah. I think really the the number one challenge is time. Like a lot of people, you know, they, they have a podcast, or whatever, and they do it full time and they, they have, you know, multiple people that have all these resources that help them collect all this information and whatnot. And so I'm thankful for, you know, people like Flow Wrestling. If we didn't have Flow Wrestling, basically this podcast wouldn't be possible either. There's just too much stuff all across the country. It would be impossible to keep track of all of it. And having something, you know, like Flow Wrestling helps us be able to be like, hey, you know, these are the big things that are happening this week. This is what we need to look into. You know, we... Did that just start ringing through uh, through here? No. Oh dang! Okay, sorry. I got a I got a Skype call. Um, hold on, I'll, I'll get back to this. Um, yeah, you're good. And so it it helps us kind of be able to you know condense everything into what we want to talk about because there's there's just so much stuff. Um, so that I think that's definitely one of the biggest things with us not doing this full time. Then there's some other little things like for me finding somebody that could consistently do this as a host was um. You know, that that was part of it for me was I had to find somebody that I knew. And I will probably change host in and out, you know, somewhat often. But, um, you know, I, I needed somebody that for the most part I was going to be consistently working with. And so, you know, I, I pitched the idea to a couple people and people, you know, would seem interested, but, you know, never really made a commitment. But the, the first time that I mentioned it to you, you were like, dude, yeah, let's do this. And we basically the next day were like, hey, let's record the first episode. And you know, we just kind of hopped on it. And I know that basically anytime I hit you up like, yo, you're trying to record an episode, you're down. So finding somebody that is as eager to do it as you is something that some people uh, may have a challenge with. 
And then really finding out how to get started is tough, too, because even when I knew I was going to do this, I had no clue where to start. So I actually want to give a shout out to you, Sam Herring. Um, You and Jude, you know, people in the wrestling community, if they listen to podcasts and whatnot, probably have heard your names as, you know, host of Home Mad Advantage. Um, Both of you, Willie Saylor and Jason Bryant, who Willie Saylor kind of pointed me to when I reached out to him for help, uh, you know, kind of shout out to all of y'all for helping me find out, you know, about the apps I need to use, how Isaac and I can call each other, record it, get the whole thing uploaded and whatnot. And then, man, you're the man, Sam. You, you know, helped us design the logo. Uh, you know, you basically reached out and told me anything we need to let you know and you'll help us out. So, I, you know, can't thank you enough. And that's something that all people, if they're getting into podcasting, you know, we, we all need to kind of be a community and it's not a competition. Like there's plenty of stuff for everybody to talk about. So, um, you know, kind of helping each other build up quality product, I think, is good. Because the, the bigger our reach is to people, you know, the more we can spread knowledge about wrestling and get more people's eyeballs on wrestling, I think, is important for helping grow the sport. Which is, you know, another challenge, kind of trying to find some things to talk about maybe that other shows aren't talking about. Because obviously, you know, we're, we're going to hit on the stuff like Penn State and Oklahoma State because you have to. I mean, it's the, the biggest stories in wrestling and whatnot. Um. But at the same time, you know, sometimes you do want to, uh, you know, you want to talk about some things that are different. So that's why I think having, you know, some insight into some schools, you know, like Campbell is nice because there's not a lot of the big radio shows talking about Andrew Morgan every week like we are. And, you know, it's it's a story that needs to be told because this guy is so far having one of the best, you know, breakout years of anybody in Division One wrestling. Um, so I. Man, I've just I've enjoyed every step of this entire process. It's all been awesome. I can't thank you know everybody that's helped enough for everything they've done. We're working on some new you know music designs for the intro and outro. So my boy Mike Barrero is working on that. Um, yeah, dude, just just couldn't do it without everybody. Obviously, couldn't do it without all the listeners. Uh, everybody asking questions. Appreciate all the feedback everybody's given us. Okay, so this is going to be not great radio for a second. Isaac, I'm just going to kind of let you free roam it right here. We may have a special guest coming on, so I'm just going to try to figure out how to add it to the call real quick. Yeah, absolutely. Take your time. Um, And again, Sam, to kind of just not to beat a dead horse too much with your question, but I think one of the most important things in life and in anything that you're interested in doing is having a a true passion for what you're doing. I know Andrew and I both really just love wrestling. We love to talk about a sport that I've grown up competing in, that Andrew has been around um, and and worked with these guys um, from an athletic training perspective and sees the grind and the kind of special uh, mentality that it takes to be a wrestler. So I think that's a really cool part of Andrew and I having this podcast is I hope that you guys as listeners and our other friends and family that are listeners um, kind of are able to garner that, like, we don't do this because we get paid, like we've said before, but this really is because I love the sport of wrestling, because Andrew loves the sport of wrestling, and we want to grow this sport and grow the awareness for this sport more than we'd ever want to make money. Because at the end of the day, I staunchly believe that I mean, despite the tough stuff um, that comes out of being a wrestler for years, mentally and physically and whatnot, that wrestling is the best sport on the freaking planet. 
I mean, no the the principles that wrestling does teach and develop um, will will set you up for life. Um, and and if you are never a wrestler, I hope at the very least you can appreciate and understand a little bit of what goes into the minds of wrestlers through our podcast. So I think that's a really, really fun aspect of Andrew and I having the opportunity to start this. Um, and, and I, I mean, like Andrew said, I have to give so much credit to Andrew. Andrew's put together almost everything that we've done for the most part. Um, I've just kind of thrown together little bits, pieces, recommendations, but I think the biggest thing for Andrew and I that is so cool, I mean, aside from some of the credibility stuff that he and I both named in terms of people we know in our backgrounds and whatnot, is the fact that uh, that Andrew in particular knows guys in several different facets of business and technology and life that have actually been huge assistance to us in terms of developing a logo, in terms of how to upload podcasts in terms of how to develop and cut and put uh, starting music to the podcast. And uh, later on in the future, hopefully Andrew and I are going to do some fun live uh, video vlogs of different um, different bracket wars and whiteboard wars. Wrestling stuff. So having um, having a plethora of uh, like communications and and resources with physical people. I think sets us up far better than if you had the financial resources because we we have these camaraderies with people who have a special set of skills that assist us and make us look good while at the same time we're able to help grow whatever their practices as well and that's been one of the coolest things through this process with me and um, especially with with what Andrew has done is he's got these awesome guys that know how to do graphic design logos and how to cut uh, music MP3 conversions and whatnot. So that has been one of the coolest things and one of the most important things if you're ever to start a podcast or really start anything is to make sure that you establish relationships with people along the way who can help grow whatever your area of expertise or your art or your interest is. Right. I think that's just something that's kind of important in life. I think it's uh, one of my favorite parts about wrestling, too, as a whole is is just the whole relationships thing. I think all people within the wrestling community, um, you know, some more than others, but are all really good people. Um, you know, I'm thankful for every relationship I've made, you know, how indirect or direct through wrestling has been. Um, I, I just think it's the greatest like community of of people that there are so we're about to try something i'm about to try to add somebody to this call one of two things could happen it's going to work or it could end the recording so let's let's pray for the first and i'm about to click it three two one you still there isaac yep still here okay still recording too oh it's calling oh man this is gonna be sweet so guys this is gonna be our first guest yo you there bud yeah, I'm here. What's up, guys? Yo, oh what's my up? gosh, So, bro. guys, we got our first live guest on the show. We got the big man himself, Trevor Rasmussen, heavyweight from Stanford University. What's up, man? What's up, guys? Thanks for having me on the show. Dude, no doubt. So, we were looking forward to doing this, you know, whiteboard war at UNC Stanford, and I was like, man, it'd be cool if we could get somebody to come on and do it. I was actually thinking about this this morning, so this was very, you know, spur of the moment. So, 
types of things we were just talking about with just kind of having the connections with people. I just shot Trevor a text. I was like, yo, dude, you want to do this whiteboard war? Obviously, the guy's a student at Stanford and a wrestler, so he's incredibly busy. We're sitting here. We're about to start the whiteboard war, and I look, and I see Trevor typing on Snapchat, and he says that he's down. So that's why we had to pump fake you, go to the queues first, so we could get him to download Skype and get him added to the call. So, dude, hey man, how, if, actually, first, how's everything going out at Stanford? I miss you guys. Yeah, hey, we we uh we miss you too, Andrew. You know, we uh need we need a little bit more help in the athletic training room. You know, it's not a uh, not not as as good as it was when you were here. So, dude, I'm telling you, tell they they're gonna have to cut a pretty fat check for the most electrifying man in sports medicine. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Heck yeah. Sanam, Sanam doesn't do it enough for you, Trevor. Come on. Uh, no, no. Hey, Isaac, uh, I never said that. I never said that. Oh, yeah. Don't let Sanam hear that. No, I'm teasing. I'm uh, teasing. <laughs> kill him. No, Sanam, so. Sanam is uh, Sanam the beast, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, there's, there's only one of her and 30 of us, so it would be nice to have A. Hansi hanging out, helping us out, taping some knees, some, some elbows. Big facts, kind of man. Well, I'll be there at Scuffle for sure. So, I'll, you know, I'll try to give you guys all the love I can at Scuffle. So, <laughs> yeah. if uh, all, all the people listening, if you thought that our picks um, last week were pretty biased, this guy, Trevor Rasmussen, may have the duel going, you know, 60-0 for Stanford. <laughs> um, he actually is probably obligated to uh, if, if Coach Borelli got his hands on this and <laughs> not pick 60-0. There could be some punishment coming for Big T. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna we're gonna be running sprints for sure if it's not a 60-0 call. No Sounds doubt. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I wouldn't put it past us to call it 60-0 either. <laughs> but anyway, dude, let's just uh, let's just let's just hop right into it, man. So kicking yeah. it off, we got uh, going for UNC. They they listed two guys actually, Jeremiah Derby or the guy that I'm expecting, gonna be number 24, Joey Melendez, taking on. Number 14, Gabe Townsell, or the guy I'm expecting to see, Jackson Desario. So who, who wants to kick us off with this one? Dude, let's let Trevor kick it off. Trevor, oh, tell us. Oh, man, throwing him under Desario. the bus to start. All right, all I'm right. interested because you know we haven't seen Desario a lot, and Trevor's in the room with him. So tell me tell me about Jackson a little bit. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, so yeah, I mean, Jackson Jackson's a tough kid. Comes out of Georgia. He's a true freshman this year. You know, um, initially thought that they were going to the, the coaching staff thought they were going to redshirt him and kind of, you know, let him practice under Gabe Townsell and just, you know, kind of get a feel for college wrestling and, and really use this year to, to redshirt and get better, get stronger, all that kind of stuff. Um, he's, he's not an overly big 125 pounder. He doesn't cut a ton of weight. I was actually just talking to him this morning and, you know, I mean, 125 is not an easy cut by any means for him, but it's it's not something that he's you know, really killing himself over every week. So that's, uh, that's definitely an area that the coaching staff kind of wanted to, you know, uh, address and, and, and redshirt him initially to allow him to get a little bigger. Uh, that being said right now, he's actually kind of been the guy, you know, uh, we've, we've had some, some kind of shakeups in the lineup and stuff. So yeah, I, I think we'll see Desario for the next couple of weeks, at least in the lineup. So he's definitely the guy, and he's ready to go for, for UNC. Right, no doubt. So I guess we're going to let you kick it off, too, with, with the picks. <laughs> we'll let you start it at 25. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, uh, this this actually is a super interesting matchup. And, and, you know, there are a lot of really close kind of matchups on paper in this duel. 
And I think, um, you know, at, at 25, you know, you've got you've got uh, the the kid from UNC, Joy Melendez, who I think will wrestle as well. You know, he's he's got that 24, that top 25 ranking, but uh, he's a freshman as well. So I think, you know, big time duel. Uh, UNC's coming off that that win over Michigan, which was really impressive. But um, you know, I, I'm honestly, I truly believe that that Desario is going to take care of business here. He just wrestled Heinzelman in the Ohio State duel. You know, uh, was in the match, and I think Heinzelman's a lot, a lot better opponent than than Melendez is. Um, just watching him wrestle, I, I think I think that Desario will will actually be able to squeak one out here against him. I, I think it'll be close. You know, I would I would say it's going to be a you know five to four, five to three match, but I think it'll be I think it'll be Desario who comes out on top with the decision. All like right, I'm, I'm putting you down for it then. Boom, like go ahead, pick. go ahead, Isaac. Um, you know, I actually I I can't. I can't really disagree with Big Rast here. Um, Melendez went out last week, um, and Andrew and I talked about and did a little bit of small uh, dual wars with the Michigan and UNC duel. And and I had Melendez pegged as a guy that's going to look really solid this year for the Tar Heels. And then he goes out and he um he dropped one to Jack Medley, who to his credit is a hell of a wrestler for Michigan. But Medley majored him just absolutely like hammered Melendez on top and bottom. And when we talk about young wrestlers that make the college transition, top bottom wrestling is where they struggle the most. And on paper, yeah, Melendez is ranked and Jackson's not. But I think this is a match that, yeah, you see come down to the wire. And I'd love to see Jackson sneak one out as well. So uh, I'm going to take Melendez on paper, but this is an incredibly winnable match for the Cardinal. And I think this would be a great opportunity for Jackson to establish like, hey, I'm in, I'm in top 25, uh, 120, top 125 like wrestler uh, in the NCAA right now. He had a great match with Malik, and uh, we see him take down Melendez here and there, and and I'd love to see Desario win. I'm going to take Melendez just for the sake of not making a 60 to nothing, even though I'm total what they do, in my opinion, Stanford Cardinal are the number one team in the country. But um, <laughs> but I'm going to take Melendez in a decision over Desario. Right, so I, I knew that Trevor was going to take Nazario. Um, I was pretty expected. I, I was kind of not hoping, but I was like, ah, you know, Isaac may, may pull the trigger on Melendez here, so I'm going to be the voice of reason, step in, and take Nazario as well, man. I, I think he actually looked really good against Hanselman. I thought he wrestled really tough. Um, Melendez did look really good on his feet, so got to think that's where, you know, he, he's going to want to capitalize. I don't think he's going to, you know, I don't think he's going to want too much of the action to occur on the map. He didn't do good on top. He actually got reversed twice. He wasn't able to get out from bottom. So won't be surprised maybe to even see him possibly, you know, it's one of the things, do you take neutral or do you, you know, keep taking bottom and, you know, realize that's an area you need to improve. I don't know. Um, but man, I'm, I'm looking for Desario to come out, you know, first duel at home at Stanford. I'm thinking he's going to be fired up. You know, I'm, We'll just assume if they, you know, kick the duel off at 125, you know, energy is going to be high there. The crowd's going to be into it. I'm looking for him to come out, you know, and have a really strong performance. And I'm taking Desario also. I like it. I like it. So then moving on up to 133, uh, we got Jamie Hernandez, who had a very, very good showing last week, taking on either Brandon Kier or Dalton Young. Um, assuming it's going to be Kier. 
it was, you know, it's been Ben Keir, you know, in, in the Ohio State duel and Keir, you know, outplaced at the tournament. But, you know, I, I don't know if you can give any scoop on that. <laughs> you know, I wish I could, but uh, just like you guys, you know, a lot of us are left in the dark until about two, three hours before the the duel happens solid so yeah it'll be a, it'll be a game time call those those guys are both you know scrapping with each other in the room every day and and really you know are both great options uh like you guys said in earlier in earlier episodes you know it's it's a great problem to have for the coaching staff to have both those guys at the same weight because they're going to push each other in the room and they do and you know i i think either one of them would be a great choice in this matchup and you know uh unsurprising i'm gonna take i'm gonna take whoever we put out there i think that they're gonna win a decision it's gonna be a close one it's gonna be a grinder you know grinder out match but just like 125 i think it's a very winnable weight for us and you know to to beat this team we're gonna have to win the close ones so i'm i'm gonna trust our guy whoever we put out there and and i'm gonna say it's gonna be a stanford victory at 133 by decision nice nice uh Good call there. Go ahead, Isaac. I like. I love having Trevor on the show, dude. We're gonna have to have him again. Yeah, I know. I'm excited about it. Yeah, <laughs> like, we need him for a whiteboard war that isn't Stanford, also. So maybe yeah, we'll yeah, some hot exactly. <laughs> exactly. Bring Just me on for another. Bit. Bring me on for the for another duel, you guys. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. You best bet. In fact, uh, that's a good call. Like for one of the big uh, Big Ten duels, we should definitely bring Trevor. Um, at 133, uh, Hernandez is a really solid dude that's been sitting behind. Michich for a while, um, and we saw him come out uh, last week against uh, UNC, or sorry, against um, Michigan, wrestling the backup to Michich. Um, and I'm thinking that that guy's going to be a hammer. And Hernandez looks phenomenal. Dude comes out like a ball on fire for the Tar Heels and uh, and hammers uh, Michigan's 33. Um, that being said. I love Dalton Young. I know he hangs out with Gabe and with Trev a little bit. Um, and I really hope that he stays healthy throughout this whole season. Um, and I'd love to see him get his legs back underneath him, especially down at 33. Um, I personally would love to see Kier in this duel because I think this is uh, a little bit more of a winnable matchup. I think Brandon wrestled uh, very mentally tough against Quentin Kinner uh, in Ohio State, which, again, you're in the Cavelli Center. You've got a 1,000 rambunctious psycho Buckeyes fans all rooting against you and Kier wrestled his butt off um even giving up a seven to one decision so I'd love to see Kier now in front of the hometown against uh a guy that maybe isn't uh as highly touted per se as Kinner and in not a hostile environment I love to see Kier here and I definitely pick uh Kier uh over Hernandez at 33. All right, so going back-to-back with Stanford. So last week, uh, 133 was kind of my infamous definite homer pick. I think it over Kenner didn't really pan out, but it's my boy. I'm going to check back into reality a touch this week. You know, I like we've said plenty of times, I think Kieran Dalton are both, you know, great options. Um, uh, they, they definitely bring kind of a different style to the table. Um, I think both pose different problems for people, and both are going to be viable options for Stanford for the entire year. But, man, I just can't unsee Jamie Hernandez going out and taking Austin aside down nine times. I mean, he, he just took him down like he was standing still. 
there really wasn't too much scramble. There really, like there wasn't much of anything. He just got in, finished, made it look easy. And you know, I just I might be a little high on him after seeing that, but I, I was just I was super super impressed with him after that match. So I'm I'm gonna have to go decision for uh, for the Tar Heels here. Oh, that hurt to say. Fair, fair enough, fair enough. I mean, you know, you're, you're a trader. It's all right, Andrew. Yeah, that, yeah, that I was hurt. surprised. <laughs> that hurt. Man, that that really hurt. All right, Isaac, you want you want to start off 41? Yeah, uh, obviously I'm picking Zach Sherman because you know, like it's Zach Clearly. Sherman. Are you kidding me, dude? Come on, we just saw Real go out and look absolutely unreal. <laughs> against, uh, against Ohio State and the Cavelli Center, being quite literally mere inches away from a two-point overtime victory over number one Luke Pletcher. Um, again, I personally think Real is far more deserving of a higher ranking than number 15. Again, if you took a 14-man round robin with Real sitting on the outside and he wrestled all 14 guys, there's no way the real finish is dead last out of those guys. No way in God's green earth. Um, I think real goes out and just, again, it's his first uh, first home duel at uh, at Burnham. And I think he shows out. I think he gets some bonus points, actually, against Sherman. Yeah, no doubt. I, I think that's a, a solid prediction. You know, we, we saw real come out last week against Pletcher. And, I mean, he, he looked anything but a redshirt freshman, I thought. He, you know, he hung in there and he looked like he's already in position to be, you know, top five guy and somebody I'm looking for to, you know, be a title contender um, come March. So I'm with you in this one. I think Sherman is, you know, a pretty quality opponent. I, th- I think he wrestled pretty good last week against Michigan, but I'm with you. I'm going to take uh, I'm going to take real by major here. Is that, did you have major or were, were you going all the way tech? I'm just going uh, major for now. Major for now. Oh, could be pending. All right, Trev, you're up. Yeah, so this this is one of the easier weights for me to call, I think, in this duel. Sure. Um, you know, I, I can I can even put my biases aside on this one. I, I you know I agree with you guys completely. Real Woods is a fantastic wrestler, much 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 better than a 15 you know a 15 top 15 guy in the country. I, I think he's definitely deserving of a top eight, top you know maybe even top five ranking. You know, as as we watched that match last week, I was there live, and you know, even with the crowd just screaming at him, you know, just just tearing him down. Any any time there was a break in action, you know, booing him, off, you know, trying to boo him off the mat, all this kind of stuff. You know, he hung in with Luke Fletcher, who's a, a multiple time All American, and has finished you know super high in the country at, at the NCAA tournament. And you know, he he looks he looks like he was going to beat him there for a while. You know, he's, he's one small technical area away from finishing a shot on him and, and taking him down at the end of that match and winning. So I think, I think real here is fired up. I've been talking to him a lot lately and you know, his, his head's on super straight. He's really ready to go. And he truly believes he's going to be a national champ this year. And, you know, I, I think he can do it. I have 100% faith in him. And so I think he goes out and wrestles Sherman really tough. And Ubrelli's uh, been talking a lot to us this week about scoring bonus points and how, you know, every match we need to score bonus points if we, if we can. And so Real definitely is going to be able to do that. I think he picks up uh, near tech, but I think it'll be uh, at the end of the match a major decision over Sherman. Right. Good call. Yeah, and I agree with you, man. I think he's right there to win a title, and uh, he's definitely somebody I'm 
pulling very, very hard for this year. So up at 149, we got Gino Esposito, um, you know, number one, Austin O'Connor, still out of action with the, the broken arm. Going to be taking on number 18, Requeer Vandermeer. And so Requeer, you know, we saw him come out, you know, against Ohio State, and he was able to, you know, shut down the electric factory that is Sammy Sasso. And a big part of that was Sammy Sasso couldn't get to his own offense at all because Requeer basically changed his mailing address to Sammy Sasso's leg. He was in on this guy's leg for probably 80% of the match. Now, a lot of times he got in, wasn't able to get to a finish, got stalemated, restarted. Um, he was able to keep himself out of danger in those positions, but he wasn't quite able to get to a finish in some of those. The difference is finishing on Sammy Sasso and finishing on Gino Esposito are two different things, kind of. I think Require probably, you know, he, he you know presses the issue a little more against somebody that's not as dangerous as Sammy Sasso. So I'm looking for Require to come out and, you know, really light it up in this match. I think this is a, pretty much a one-sided ass-whooping, honestly. Um Maybe even pushing for a tech, but I'm gonna I'm gonna play it safe. I'm just gonna take Requeer by major here. I'm gonna take Requeer by major too. Um, I I think the way that Requeer looked against Sasso was phenomenal. Um, like like we talked about yesterday, uh, Drew. Um, to Ooh. me, Requeer very much kept himself in the match with Sasso. We know Sasso is very dangerous from letting guys in on his legs to the cradle. Um, but I'm sure Trevor can attest to this. Like, if I'm the coaching staff and I'm looking at Requeer's performance in that match, I'm telling Requeer, like, dude, you had the opportunity to win this match. Like, this was a very winnable match for you. You were in on this guy's legs, and maybe one or two of those, you just blast really hard to a big-time finish. Um, but I think Requeer looked great, and I think he carries that momentum uh, – into this UNC duel, and I think I think he hammers Esposito as well. Yeah, absolutely, Isaac. I I'm gonna second what you just said there. You know, the the coaches. I, I actually talked to Requeer, and and the coaches talked to him. Kind of addressed that match in front of the whole team right after the duel last week. And you know, they, they just kind of said like Requeer, you were you know one or two better shots away from taking that kid down and beating him. You know what I mean? Like he, he you know he got stuck under the hips. He uh, he was on his leg. I mean, I think probably he probably was on his leg eight or nine times at least throughout the match. Yeah. And I mean, just got kind of buried underneath those hips. I think, you know, there's something to be said about wrestling someone for the first time. And, you know, you can you can watch a guy on film. You can you can, you know, uh, hear people talk about him. You can, you know, do all this stuff. Right. But until you actually get a feel for that guy and go out and actually compete against him, it's really hard to kind of know you know, what he, what he's going to feel like in that match and, and how to attack, um, especially someone of the caliber of, uh, you know, of him. So I think that Requeer is definitely going to keep his head up. I know he has, he's been working hard this week in the room. He's going to come out and smash this kid. I, I'm going to, I'm going to take Requeer in a tech on this one. Oh, going with the I like technical it. fall. I, like I love it. it dude. I love it. He's going to, he's going to get some turns on top and this kid's not going to stand a chance. Yeah. I think that's what it comes down to. I think if, uh, I think Requeer is going to be, you know, far and away better on his feet. And I think if, uh, he's able to get, you know, a turn or two on top, then yeah, he's definitely right there in, in tech or maybe even, you know, pin area. So going on up to 157, I think this is actually a really big match. We got 
Number 18, A.C. Headley, who we, you know, as we had mentioned prior to the Michigan duel, was a you know pretty pretty big recruit that just hadn't quite turned the corner, you know, and UNC was looking to get some more production out of. And then we see him come out against Michigan and wrestle great, taking out Will Luan, now boosting himself up to number 18, taking on either Tyler Ashens or Gabe Donette. And I, I haven't got to see much of Gabe this year, so I, I can only really speak on Ashens. Um Man, he looked phenomenal against Elijah Cleary, and then he just kind of, you know, he just hit a wall. He just he just ran out of gas, basically. But up until that point, he looked far and away the better guy. So I was really impressed with him. I know that him and uh, Gabe, you know, very competitive matches. So I, either guy that gets rolled out is going to be, you know, pretty close to the same product. So I think this is uh, one of the matches you got to have circled as far as the dual outcome that, uh, you know, is a real swinging point. Absolutely. And, uh, I mean, Headley is a guy that has a head full of steam right now. I'm going to just keep playing off these really, really bad dad joke puns. Um, looking great, beating Will Luan uh, this past week. Um, obviously, I'm mildly biased uh, for Sanford here as Gabe is my brother, and I think Aishin's is a stud. Um, that being said, I mean, Aishin's looked looked very good at Ohio State. Um, again, I'm taking into consideration that the Cardinal were wrestling in one of the most hostile environments in NCAA wrestling, especially with that being the grand uh, opening for the Cavelli Center in their first dual host. So that was not an easy place to go into and, and wrestle in. And Aishans looked phenomenal, taking Cleary down left and right, and really riding Cleary. I mean, we talked about it yesterday. He had three and a half minutes of riding time heading into the third period um, and and just looked all of a legitimate veteran, 157 pounder. Now there was a little bit of the uh, conditioning drop off. And I think uh, Ty spent himself a little bit on top, um, maybe a little too much. Maybe it's nerves. doesn't really matter. I think Ty looked great. Um, and I think uh, whoever Stanford rolls out here, whether it be Ty or Gabe, um, I think this is kind of a, a big 50, 50 coin flip. I don't think this is a safe match for Headley by any means. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with that. You know, I think this week, if I had to, if I had to make a projection about who we're going to put out there, I would, I would say we're going to put Aishans out there just because Isaac, your, your bro's coming off of a, a concussion. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, he's, he's, he's ready to go. He just got cleared either yesterday or today. He, yes, he practiced yes, today. Sir. So obviously that was super exciting to have him back in the room and, and scrapping again. Um, but, you know, I think. The coaching staff will probably err on the side of caution, you know, just with the the seriousness of a head injury and and the kind of short week and the short training cycle that Gabe's going to have coming in to this duel. So I think what's more than likely is that we'll put Aishans out there. And yeah, I, I think I think Aishans probably, had, you know, I mean, it was his first college duel in that hostile environment. I think there were probably some nerves going. And I think what happened is he he just kind of spent all of his energy in those first two periods, just really trying to put a whipping on that kid. So I think he comes out in this duel or or Gabe, whoever we put out there. I think they come out and I think that they they get a uh, a surprising surprising call by me, I guess. <laughs> and, uh, we're gonna pick up a a decision here over Headley. He's he's a tough kid, um, you know. He's been wrestling well and. I think he drops one here to one of our guys. Absolutely. And again, I mean, just a brief, brief thing. Like I know if you guys listen to this, like, Oh, Trevor's a total homebody. 
But even when we touched on the Stanford duel, if you go back and you look at the final scores, and granted the to- overall team outcome was not what Andrew and I predicted, but the scores and the opportunities that the Stanford guys put themselves in were there in terms of beating and upsetting these Ohio State wrestlers. So in yeah, almost every match. In every single match. And, and so as maybe a more unbiased fan who's listening to our whiteboard wars of this duel, you might think, oh, Trevor's such a freaking homebody. But I'm telling you guys, the Stanford Cardinal are a top 25 wrestling team. They're not wrestling Penn State right now. They're wrestling UNC, who's 17 ranked. Like, this is a winnable duel for Stanford and a duel that Stanford could end up just handling UNC. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I think, I, uh, I, go ahead, Trevor. Uh, yeah, so I, I was just going to hop on that. Uh, Coach Brelli and the rest of the coaching staff have, have really kind of been hammering home this point all week. You know, you, you look back at that Ohio State duel, we make a couple adjustments and, you know, real finishes that single against Pletcher. You know, we've got Aishens uh, doesn't blow that lead in the third. And then uh, David Show doesn't blow his lead at heavyweight. We're looking at a 17 to 15 score going right. into 125. And, and we've got Desario out there who could potentially win the duel for us with the win. So, you know, I, I think uh, just to your point, Isaac, I, I, we really went out there and scrapped last week with, with one of the best teams in the country. And so I, I don't really see if we have that same performance going into this duel, how we don't pick up a win. And, uh, you know, Brelli, Brelli was talking to us today and, and he said, guys, I truly believe we can win all 10 weights. And, and I believe that too. So, you know, call me, call me biased, call me a homebody. I mean, yeah, I, I wrestle for these guys. So I'm obviously going to side with my teammates, but I truly do believe we can pick up all 10 wins. I, I don't think it'll be easy by any means, but I think it's possible. Right. I don't think, you know, looking at this lineup, I see a couple, uh, I see a couple weights where I'm like, oh, the Stanford guys favored, you know, pretty heavily here, like, you know, 141, 149. But I don't see any where, you know, the UNC guys heavily favored. You know, we we spoke on the 25 match where, you know, they've got a ranked guy, albeit as 24 against an unranked guy. So it's like, ah, you're not really heavily favored in that. Um, and then, you know, same thing, same story at heavyweight. You know, Andrew Gunning's, you know, 23 and you know, he, he's not exactly a world beater and whether you or show wrestle, you know, both quality guys too. So obviously a winnable match there too. So I definitely could see Stanford, you know, taking all 10 weights here. Um, so looking at this one, you know, I, I think Headley looked good against Lewan. I do think lewan has been propped up a little bit. I don't think he's quite what, you know, a lot of people are making him out to be. I was super, super impressed with options. I wasn't you know terribly familiar with him. Uh, until you know kind of this year and he, he really impressed me i think you know some things you guys alluded to that the environment he was in it was his first duel you know elijah cleary is you know he, he's a name like if, if you come up and you're following wrestling you, you know the name elijah cleary and you, you see flow wrestling post about this guy and whatnot like you you know the name and so you got to think when you jump up you know to a big lead on this guy you know in the first period man, you know, your adrenaline's pumping and you're fired up and you're like, dude, you know what? I'm just going to keep hammering this guy, making a statement. I'm going to put this guy away. And I think, um, I think Ashen's just, you know, he, he blew his wad a little bit. Um, maybe was pressing the action a little hard, maybe, you know, just a little match management that, you know, could be addressed. Um, uh, you know, what we were saying, I think Stanford could take all 10 weights. Sometimes, you know, you got those 50, 50 matches. You don't really know how they're going to go. I think, between 25 and 57, 
I believe Stanford and UNC split at those two. Um, looking back, maybe I should have flipped it and went Carolina at 25, Stanford at 57. I just think both of those matches <clears throat> are complete toss-ups. Um, like I said, I think it goes 50-50. I'm actually I'm going to take AC Headley here, um, but I'm I'm very woke on Ashens getting a win here. I think you know that him or Danette, you know, could take out Headley. I think both of them are right there on the bubble, you know, to crack into that top 25, too. Yeah, absolutely. So I this agree. next match is a dude. I will not be upset if we just start at 174. So <laughs> finish with this one. This match is going to be awesome. I can't wait for this. And in terms of the duel, this is also a really big match for both teams. Both guys, or both teams sending out, you know, one of their best guys. You're expecting points out of these two guys in every duel. And so when they hit each other, only one guy scoring points. So we got number 17, Kennedy Monday, taking on number eight, the sensation, Shane Griffith. <laughs> I don't know who wants to start with this topic. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I, I kind of laugh when, like, when we say, look, there's no matches that you should really see UNC that is just out of the water favored in. And if there was any guy that UNC tends to have a guy that's favored when uh, O'Connor's not wrestling, it's Kennedy Monday. But unfortunately, he's wrestling Shane Griffith. Matchups now. And Shane is another guy that I still believe is gonna you're gonna see him perform above his number eight ranking. I mean. I know it's probably getting really old to hear, but, I mean, this guy lost a one-point match winning the takedown battle against Vincenzo Joseph. Like, the the kid is not, he's not your run-of-the-mill, oh, he's a tough number eight ranked. Like, this is a kid that has the ability to compete in a top four or five weight class that is just deep as hell, right? I mean, when you look at 65, you got Joseph, Marinelli, Wick, McFadden. I mean, Griffith is in the mix with that caliber of guy. And so for as tough as Monday is, I mean, we saw Shane just look like a freak against Ethan Smith. It's almost like you throw an interception as a quarterback, but there's an offsides call. And the very next play, it's an 80-yard TD. Like Griffith had, there was that weird stall call that I'm sure the home fans at Ohio State think was or not stall call, but stalemate call, that I'm sure the Ohio State fans think was total BS. And Shane goes, forget that. Let me just stick this guy real quick. Like, dude is such a killer. I take Shane in a major and maybe even a pinfall over Monday. Ooh, wow, wow. Major, major pinfall. Yeah, hey, Isaac, I, hey, man, you're going to get claps over here from me for sure on that prediction. Um, I, I guess I'll just jump into to what I think is going to happen. I guess I'll just start with saying that Shane Griffith is one of the most athletic freakish people I've ever been around in my entire life. I mean, I know it's not saying much about wrestling, but we warm up every day with handball in the room. Right. And this kid is jumping over people to score goals. He's jumping up and blocking shots. I mean, just, just the, the kid has like a, a 76 inch vertical, you know, or something like that. Uh, and, and just he's, his body type is so great for wrestling. He's got those super long limbs. He's like tall and lanky. He's got all that leverage when he's wrestling. And this kid's a freaking animal. I mean, I, I don't know how to describe it anywhere, any, anyway else. Um, I, I don't think that he necessarily gets a pin or a tech over, over Monday, 
because he is, you know, I, I believe he was around a 12 finisher last year, right? In NCAAs. So. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, he's a tough kid. And, and obviously, you know, he's got that great bloodline, um, you know, with his dad and everything. I think that this match goes very much in Shane's favor, but I don't necessarily think he gets bonus here. I think he'll be right on the cusp, but, uh, you know, I, I think he'll win by six or seven points. Um, but I, that being said, I would not be surprised if, you know, he, he got a pin or got a tech. But I'm going to go with the safe, the safe bet and say that he wins uh, a decision by six or seven. Right. And, you know, you, you said that it doesn't say much about wrestling. I don't know. I think we all as wrestlers know you can certainly judge someone's uh, ability, not just in wrestling, but really in life as a whole, based on how good they are at handball. <laughs> I just I feel like yeah. handball really tells the tale. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so, you know, I, I agree with the points you guys are making. Um, man, I just I can't be higher on Shane Griffith. I think this dude is phenomenal. I, it would be awesome if he can bring a dang title to Stanford. That would be sweet. Um, I'm with you, Trevor. I think it's a pretty controlled decision. Man, you know, it's, it's in the realm of pushing for a major, but probably just doesn't quite get it. And I, the thing that keeps me from maybe taking a major or something is I think if Griffith catches Monday, you know, in some kind of scramble and locks up a cradle or something of the sort, I think it's a wrap. I think um, I think he's just like he's just like Evan Wick. You know, he has you know that same pinning ability where if he's able to lock up, you know, a cradle or, you know, so just a really good pinning combination on you. That's it. That's it's game set match. I think, you know, he's going to be really good at putting people away. I don't think too many people are getting off their back against Shane Griffith. So I've got this as a decision with the caveat that it could be a pinfall also. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's kind of where I'm at, too. So who wins a one on one first to three goals handball match between them? Between between Monday and Shane mm-hmm. Griffith. Uh, Shane Shane wipes wipes the slate clean. He wins Woo. three three nothing. Absolutely. Nice. Yeah. So this next one's gonna be tough. Um, we got either Clay Lout or number thirteen Devin Kane for UNC taking on either Jared Hill or Foster Carmen, and I don't know who we're gonna see for either team. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh yeah, you go ahead. I, I actually do have a little insight on this. I think. Um, I think we're leaning towards Jared this week, but I, uh, I'm not, you know, obviously not totally sure. I think we're weighing in both guys, but you know, if I, if I had a gut feeling to kind of go off of, I'd say Jared's the guy this week. Okay. I saw that he traveled to Ohio State. I could see him on, on the feed. Yeah. Um, I, I, I thought he was going to be wrestling and then he wasn't. So, okay. That, that's good to hear then. Um, and I have no clue what's going on with Devin Kane. He he hasn't wrestled this year, I don't believe. He has not. Um, so we got again, he's five. yeah, he's a top fifteen ranked guy that we haven't seen um, get rolled out for the Tar Heels. And like we talked about a little bit with O'Connor, it was for a while a little hush hush as to why O'Connor wasn't getting rolled out until it became a little bit more public knowledge that he did um, have. Uh, at least a lengthy recovery time for his uh, broken arm injury. So maybe there's something similar going on with Kane that the Tar Heels just don't want to reveal yet. Um, either way, I mean, we've obviously Trev wrestles with Jared and you and me, Andrew, have had some good personal interactions with Jared. I just think that kid is 
whether he's wrestling the number one guy in the country or some high school pud. I mean, Jared goes out there and wrestles 110%. The dude is just a horse. Like, he never gets tired. Um, And then we've seen Carmen look uh, very staunchy in terms of he doesn't give up a lot of easy takedowns and easy points. I, I have to take the Cardinal in this matchup if we don't see Devin Kane out there because I think our guy at the end of the day is just better than the guy that they put out there. Yeah, Isaac, I, I, I would agree with that completely. You know, I, I'm going to say this now. I think even if Kane comes out there, we, we're going to win that. Oh, win that. I, like it. I like it, Trevor. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I, I totally agree. I mean, Jared's one of those guys that, you just you can't break him. You know, you, you see those matches where, where guys just break and they've got their head down on the mat and they concede takedowns, they concede turns, you know, whatever. Jared Hill will fight you to the death every single time, no matter how outmatched he is. And, you know, he, he's just one of those guys that's got an engine on him and, and just so much willpower. Um, you know, he's one of the, the most awesome guys to wrestle with just because he's always working as hard as he can in matches. And you know that he's putting it all out on the line, you know, every time. So I, I think if we see, I think, I think either way, I think whoever we put out there, whether it's Jared or Foster, I think we pick up a decision over, um, over UNC. But uh, yeah, I would love to see Jared go out there and, and kind of bash some guys face into the ground. Like he always yeah, does. That would be awesome. Yeah. He's uh He's he's definitely an electric factory when he's out there, man. I, yeah, I, I don't know as much about Foster Carmine. You know, I don't really know him personally, but I can say like, dude, I, I love Jared Hill. He's one of the best guys that I've met. And I think he really embodies all the things that Coach Borelli preaches about, you know, with, with being Cardinal caliber like this dude is hardworking. He does everything the right way. He puts everybody before himself. And, you know, he, he's doing nothing but looking out for what's best for the team. Um, he, he's the perfect kind of guy you want on your team, you know. And I'm, I'm, I would personally just, as a fan and friend of Jared, would like to see him, you know, get the nod here. Um, and I look for him to go out there, you know, wrestling hard. You know, up at 174, I haven't got to see him there. But, you know, he's, he's a pretty thick guy. I assume 174 is, you know, not too big for him. Um, Hopefully we see him go out there, you know, wrestling hard. And I think one of the most fun things to watch in wrestling is if you got a guy that wrestles that really, you know, high intensity, you know, style like he does. If they ever break the other guy, just watching them be able to pour it on is it's just a thing of beauty. Like I just I just love watching when one guy has basically melded in and the other dude is just still going at it. Absolutely. Man, I'd love to see it turn into something like that. So I think, you know, uh, UNC, along with Austin O'Connor, you know, missing another, you know, pretty highly ranked guy from their lineup. It's, you know, it's a real sore spot here. Although I'm, I'm with you, Trevor. I, I may would be taking, you know, Jared Hill either way in this, but particularly if, if they roll out Clay Loud, I'm taking, you know, whoever Stanford sends out. I just, for my own personal reasons, would like to see Jared Hill uh, just go put the beat down on somebody. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, a, f- a funny quick side note about Jared. So, yeah, he, he's been wrestling the last couple of years at 165, and uh, he, he made the jump at 174, and now every single day that that we're in the room or, you know, in the weight room, whatever, he comes up to, like, show and I, you know, Hayden, the, the three heavyweights, Traxler, you know, all the big guys. He goes, hey, 
What's up? What's up, guys? Uh, nice to see you in the big guy club. Glad to be a member. So, uh, he's uh, he's definitely he's, he's a big uh, chest puffer, and you know he loves kind of embodying that, that bigger weight. So I think he's gonna look great at once. The crazy thing is, I feel like he leads almost every conversation off with, "Hey, what's up, guys?" And like I can hear him in my head yeah. right now saying that. Like I can hear Jared walking. <laughs> It's Absolutely. all the organs, bro. He's probably just drinking a bunch of organs. <laughs> hey, six, exactly six, six organs a day keeps the doctor away, right? Sheesh, oh, McGeesh. That's what I know a Calvo would tell you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right, so going on up to 184. For UNC, we got Chase and Blair going to be taking on either Nick Addison or Colby Harlan. And so kind of our question all year, and I don't know if you have or can give out any info on this. If you can, it's totally cool, but – where is Judah the Boom Doom? <laughs> we need the Boom. The Boom Doom, yeah. He's uh he's actually struggling with some injury stuff right now. So he's been been trying to rehab and get back. Cause I think I think definitely Judah's probably our, our best option there long term for this season. You know, um not taking anything away from Nick or or Colby, but they're both just really young guys, you know, haven't had a ton of experience. Colby wrestled quite a bit last year. You know, but mm-hmm. then Judah came back and and you know took second at the conference and you know just has a lot of big match experience. So I, I you know I would love to see Judah come back, but yeah, he's right now battling some injuries. Um, you know, hopefully we'll see him soon. Uh, and then also we've we've uh, kind of just like kind of like Isaac's bro, uh, Gabe, Colby. Colby's coming off of a concussion as well. He just got cleared or is about to be cleared. So I think just kind of like at 57, we're going to see Nick get the nod here just just to err on the side of caution. We don't want to rattle anyone's brains any more than they already are. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I think we'll see Nick go out there again. And, and you know, this is, this is a true freshman. Got a couple of those in our lineup. And, you know, he, he really has impressed me a ton. You know, it's, it's hard to be a true freshman and go out and wrestle the number three team in the country and, you know, look pretty dang tough in that match. I mean, just thinking about my career and my freshman year here at Stanford, there's no way I would have been able to go out and wrestle a kid from Ohio State and, and be any what, you know, any any amount of competitive with him. So I really tip my hat to Nick and I think he's going to have a really good performance this year and pick up a decision. Right. And, you know, buddy from Ohio State, he's he's off to a really good start to the year, you know, taking out Hoffman and the wrestle off. So a lot of people were high on and, uh, you know, getting the nod for Ohio State, too. So he took out, you know, or, you know, he looked good against a quality guy. Yeah, absolutely. So I think he's going to he's going to continue that trend and look good this year or this year, this uh, this week against UNC. And I think he picks up a decision. Good deal. Yeah. And so I do I do want to uh, put the disclaimer that. You know, this is twice I've heard you mention the coaches uh, playing it safe and looking out for somebody's health and keeping them safe. I want to say that is athletic trainer approved. You're getting the Andrew Hansi <laughs> stamp of approval. You know what? I'll even go as far. I'll speak on behalf of the great Aton Gelber and oh, put wow. the stamp of approval. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to be up front about this one. I, you know. I watched the first time I seen Nick Addison was in the duel last week, and I I'm with you. I, he impressed me. I was like, man, this this kid's tough. I think he's going to be you know a viable option. You know, I'm I'm fairly familiar with Colby from last year. I know he's a pretty solid guy too, and then obviously I know Judah well. And I think anybody they roll out for the entire year is going to be you know a good option. Don't really 
know much about Chase and Blair, so I would love to give you my in-depth breakdown of this match. But I honestly don't have one, and so I'm just going to be <laughs> completely honest. I'm taking Stanford here because, you know, go Cardinal. Yeah. I like it. I like it. I mean, I have to say, um, similar to what Trevor said, I mean, Addison is a true freshman this year, but he really did impress in the Ohio State duel. I mean, I, I know I'm kind of beating a dead horse, but I don't think people genuinely understand how tough it is to wrestle in a hostile environment. I mean, you're you're literally a dude in a skimpy little onesie in, on a mat in front of everybody. I mean, there's no place you can run, no place you can hide as a wrestler in a big duel like that. And Addison went out against Steiner, who had beat Gavin Hoffman in, um, in the wrestle-off. And Hoffman, we know, is a guy that's been uh, top 25 ranked. So, I mean, it's not like the Buckeyes are putting out, like, this is their weakest weight class, right? And Addison went out and competed, looked great, uh, even taking a 9-6 to six decision loss. I mean, I, I, I like Addison a lot. I like Colby. We've seen Colby wrestle, um, like Trevor already told us. Uh, Judah's doing with a little bit of injuries. But I'd love to see Addison again here at home against Blair, who is a pretty tough uh, opponent. The dude was uh, the NCO runner-up last year. Um, but... I got to take Addison, man. I think Addison looked great last week. I think he looked very mature as a true freshman wrestler. And, I mean, Addison is from New Jersey. The dude's a multiple-time medalist from New Jersey. And we know that the guys that tend to place in Jersey and win state titles in Jersey, uh, they kind of have pretty decent careers uh, <laughs> at college wrestling. So, I mean, I think Addison's cut from that exact same cloth. And I think I think he comes out um, if that's who – Borelli and the Cardinal staff put out and beats Blair. Or Good Blair, deal. Kobe too, but I, I'm pick. I think Addison is the one they're gonna roll out. Yeah, Addison same, same. Blair. Yeah, right. I agree. So then at 197, we got Brandon Whitman taking on number 10 Nathan Traxler, who we just saw. You know, he's coming off of uh, you know a, a rough loss against Colin Moore, but I don't think that loss says much about Nathan Traxler as much as it does you know Colin Moore. I think. Colin Moore, you know, just we know that when he's on and wrestling at his best, you know, he, he's elite. And I thought Traxler was going to be able to hang in there with him and, you know, make it a competitive match. But that was pending, you know, the Colin Moore that we had seen, you know, the last week in the close match with Jake Woodley. And unfortunately for Traxler, you know, he just happened to be the guy on the other side of the mat when Colin Moore had a great performance. Um, and so, I, you know, I don't think that really sheds any negative light on Traxler. He's somebody I'm still looking forward to, you know, be on the podium this March. And so I think, you know, he kind of rides the ship a little bit and, you know, a duel at home against, you know, an unranked redshirt freshman. I think Traxler opens it up a little bit and I'm looking for him to score some bonus here. Yeah, Trevor? absolutely. Isaac, go ahead, man. No, all you, I was saying, Trevor, you're up. <laughs> all right. Uh, yeah, I, 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 you know, there are not a lot of things you can say about Nathan Traxler that are negative. You know, he's he's a super hard worker, a guy that's going to grind, and and he truly believes that he's going to be a national champ this year. Best hair in the I, country. I, <laughs> yeah, best hair in the country. He's got that flow going. Uh, you know, I, I've asked him if he's going to cut it. He says no. He's going to let it ride all season long. So we'll see a pretty shaggy Nathan Traxler in March. But uh, yeah, I, I think I think. 
tracks is going to be definitely, I, I, I actually have no doubt in my mind, he's going to be an all American this year and that he's going to push for a title. Um, you know, I, I think seeing Colin Moore for the first time like that in that tough environment kind of caught him a little bit flat footed. I don't think that if they wrestle again, he comes out like that. And I think he has a super competitive match with them, you know, later on down the year, uh, you know, later on in the year. Um, as far as this, this match goes, Traxler is just so dominant on top. If he can get, if he can get a takedown early in the match and get on top of, of the UNC kid, I see him turning over and over and over again. I see Traxler putting those legs in, you know, uh, it, it just cranking on this kid. I think, I think he picks up either a tech or a pin and you Ooh. know what, what the heck I've already, Oh, he's down. doing it. I'm already hometown enough. I think Traxxas picks up a pin here, so that's going to be six for the Cardinal. I like it. Let's go. I like it. You know, um, Traxler is uh, a lot like Trevor said. I mean, the dude, the dude is a hammer. He's a hammer on top. Um, yeah, he did get buzzsawed by Colin Moore. And I think the only thing that I would have liked to see out of Trax a little more that I know has happened, um, I've seen Trax really just get dominated in two matches. I've seen him get beaten pretty bad by Bo Nickel, who's a once-in-a-lifetime athlete. And I've seen him get dominated by Colin Moore, who, again, is another guy that's once in every few generations in terms of dominance. Um, I would like to see Trax like, punch these guys in the mouth a little bit more. I think when Trax goes down, it, it, he sometimes, I don't know, just it's not the same Traxler that we're used to seeing. Um, and, and when we do see tracks on the podium this year, I think that's something that you start to see him develop down the year where, I mean, he goes up against guys that are quote unquote hammers and tracks is like, yo, dude, I'm a hammer too. and starts kind of punching these guys right back. Um, Whitman's no slouch of an opponent. I mean, the dude was an NCAA qualifier last year. Um, but I mean, I think tracks goes out there and handles this guy. I mean, I think tracks gets right back on the horse after, uh, a tough loss to Colin last weekend. And I think he hammers this guy with the major. Going major. Yeah, and, and just to your point, Isaac, I think, I think, you know, it, it depends on where we start the duel, but you know, if we start at 125, you know, this is getting pretty late in the duel, you know, who, who knows what the score is at this time. And I think, you know, if, if we need points from tracks, he's going to go out there and, and put those up. So, you know, I, I think if it's a close duel, tracks is going to go out there and do everything he can to pin this kid. And I think he can. So right, I think uh, I think this match and 149 are the two you circle for Stanford, depending on where the duel you know starts and ends and what the score is at the time. Where if you need to push for some bonus points, I think those are the two weights that you know. Hey, we really need you guys to get out here, get after this guy. You know, from the first whistle to the last whistle. I agree. Yeah, absolutely. And see, you no know, Trax is a guy we've seen. You know, he's kind of you know long and lanky. Like he, he's never really been too awfully big. But man, that, against Ohio State was the first time I've seen him in a little while, and he's, he's not so small now. It's like Trax. He been, looks uh, filled out. Dude. Yeah, he's been hitting up some late night. Yeah, yeah, he he's been hitting up <laughs> hitting up some late night. Big late night guy. Yeah, he is. He's he's definitely a lot bigger this year than he was last year. He's uh. <laughs> He's definitely having to worry a, a little bit more about weight, which is not a bad problem to have. You know, it's good to be a big guy in your weight class. So who, I think, who pumps I think, more iron, Trevor, you or tracks? Uh, I think <laughs> I got tracks by a little bit, but I also weigh, you know, 80 pounds more than him. So uh, there is yep. that. I think, I think we'll I think, weight class apart in the books. 
yeah. <laughs> look i don't I don't know uh, if it, it, people might pump more weight, like in the in terms of the actual weight they're lifting, but I don't think anybody works out as much as David showing me. <laughs> this dude posts on his snap story all the time, and it is one of two things: his pet rabbit, or he's working out. And it's one oh, of yeah. two every time. David, David's. I mean, he's he was sculpted by by God himself, if you ask me. I mean, just. Just See, so it's not chiseled. just us that have been saying that. Yeah, right. I, I thought I thought our listeners were gonna think we had man crushes on David, but people don't understand. <laughs> hey, I, I'm his workout partner, and you know I say what you will about about wrestlers, but he's a good looking guy. He's he really is. <laughs> there you go, man. I'm telling you, not this guy in in NCAA wrestling. You, you know what's funny? Signing is, up Trevor Rasmussen. You you look at you look at David's show and you think, oh my God, this guy probably probably eats little kids for lunch. You know, like that's what he does. And then you go and then you go talk to him, and he's he's just the most just oblivious nice guy I've ever met in my entire life. Just you know, just do 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 like going through life has no not a worry in the world. Just super sweet uh, you know it's 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 really funny people come up and is that does he like is he wrestling in this tournament like yeah yeah he is <laughs> and people you know they get their huge eyes like oh god i hope i don't have to wrestle him and and then they start talking to him and they're like ah never mind this kid this kid's a baby you know he right. i almost wish he was like like clover lane in the rocky yeah like i remember i because i man i'm not gonna lie to you the first time i saw this guy i was like holy smokes and i knew i had seen him before you know he had a pretty pretty successful career at blair but you don't realize how big this dude is until you're like up next to him and yeah i was like holy smokes and we just got to talking one day, and this is before I knew how nice he was. I was kind of picking up on the vibe while we were talking. I was like, so, man, what do, you, what do you, like, wanting to do, you know, like, with your career? And this guy, you know, he wants to be able to – he wants to create a way to derive energy to, like, be able to provide energy and power to, you know, like, low-income and poverty areas in the world. Like, this, yeah. this guy is just <laughs> as nice and caring and smart as you could be. And then I learned about his pet bunny, and I was no longer worried that David showing me might break me in half. <laughs> Instead, I was worried that he would be upset if, you know, something happened to his bunny. Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. Dude. And I got to say, like, no knock against the University of North Carolina party school here in Raleigh. <laughs> but, uh... But, I mean, aside from the fact that Stanford breeds the greatest athletes on the planet and people don't truly, genuinely understand the Sears Cup and how the Cardinal have won it freaking 50,000 years in a row. (laughs) And aside from the fact that in NCAA rankings overall, Stanford is the number one athletic school in the world. Like, these guys are also getting educations and furthering education and scientific discovery in places that are unprecedented internationally. Like, aside from the fact that, yeah, Trevor's a hell of a wrestler and shows a hell of a wrestler and tracks a hell of a wrestler, like, these dudes are, like, freaking out here curing cancer and <laughs> bringing clean water to Flint, Michigan. Like, these aren't, these are the full-package student-athletes, in case you're wondering, like, how awesome Stanford is. Like, I mean, these aren't just meatheads. Right. To, to this day, I still tell people that, you know, the smartest human that I have ever been in direct contact and had conversation with, you know, 
um, and been able to actually get to know personally, not just saw speak or something, is Austin Flores. And, you know, he, he was a wrestler at Stanford. Flores. This dude is an absolute he, – he's a genius. I, I literally have never been around anyone as smart as this guy. And I was actually talking with – I work at a high school here, and I was talking with uh, some of the students there, and I was telling them how it just, like, blew my mind when I was at Stanford, you know, and even dealing with, say – you know, and a lot of times this ha- that happens in wrestling, you know, th- people that are successful all the way to the Division One level in wrestling usually are in the classroom and whatnot, too, just because they have that, you know, work ethic and this and that and the other. But a lot of times in football, you know, there's people that slide through the cracks, and, it's, you know, because they're good at football, they end up at places – that's not the case. I was like, man, every kid that was on the football team at Stanford when I was there, like, these dudes are wicked smart. Like, they're just geniuses that happen to also be good at football. Like, it, it's crazy. Absolutely. Yeah. So, without further ado, let's move to the big boys. Every, you know, it, see, we're out here slacking, almost forgetting it. People be leaving the duels before they, you know, <laughs> wrestle. They're rolling up mats at tournaments, and we got heavyweights wrestling, but... Not here, not on the challenge brick. We're here for 285. We got number 23, Andrew Gunning, taking on either David Shawmy, the aforementioned guy, or the man himself, Trevor Rasmussen. Trevor, I think you have to kick it off then, dude. Yeah, I mean, All I right. feel like you just have to. Yeah. <laughs> what, what if we both went and assumed it was show, and then Trevor's like, so actually, I'm going to be wrestling. And, uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So. Yeah, I wish I wish I could give you guys a definitive answer on who's going to be sent out this week, guys. But uh, you know, just like all the other weights, it's kind of a, it's going to be a game time decision and and depending on how the duel's going. Um, so you know, I I might get sent out. Show might get sent out. Either way, uh, you know, I've I've personally wrestled Gunning before. I've seen him a lot at tournaments. I've seen a lot of film on him, and this is a very beatable guy for Show or I. Um, I think. He's definitely, like, to his credit, he's a very tough kid. I wrestled him, actually, at U23s two or three years ago in, like, the, the quarterfinals or something. I want to say he uh, I, he definitely beat me, but I think it was, like, a five-to-three match. Um, I definitely didn't wrestle a very good match against him. He, he's very active with his hands for a heavyweight, you know, and he moves pretty well for a heavyweight. Um, he's got kind of weird hips. He's kind of hard to take down. Um so that's definitely going to be a challenge. But I think either way, uh, whether it's show or I, I think I think we pick up a decision here. He's a tough kid, top 25. But I, I think this is a match that is a must win for us. And so I think either one of us is going to go out there and, and treat it as such and take care of business. I like it. I like it. Um, speaking to, I mean, Trevor's points, gunning is tough, dude. Um, he's like like a lot of heavyweights. He's just a big, strong uh, physical guy. Um, he wrestled a decent match this past week against Paris. Um, I believe losing in a five to one decision, uh, three to one decision. Um, but I think four zero. Maybe it was four zero, and I think that yeah. just kind of speaks more to the fact that like Paris kind of shuts guys down. Um, we saw David this past weekend look like a ball on fire um, against. Uh, OSU's uh, Gary Traub, who we know has allegedly beat Chase Singletary, who was a ranked top 10 heavyweight. And David goes out there and is and is kind of putting the putting the beat down on Traub for a while and then kind of falls off the, the conditioning cliff a little bit. And I mean, he truly did like spend everything in that match, kind of similar to Aishin's where, I mean, they were just, I mean, they let it all hang out. Um, and 
again, we I've seen Trevor compete at U23s and seen Trevor compete um, at a national level in all styles. And yeah, this is a winnable match. I got to take Trevor or David, um, not just because Trevor's on the show and he'll eat me alive <laughs> when I come out there, but um, but but because I truly do believe. Again, this is a very winnable match, and a, I mean, obviously a winnable duel for the Cardinal. I think I think we get a decision here as well. Right, and uh, you know, I don't really, you know, I, I don't want to beat a dead horse because you guys pretty much covered all the things. But hey, you know, everything you said was true. I think it's a winnable match. Um, I think it's good matchup really for either guy. I think. You know, the question with, with show tends to be, you know, the gas tank. So I think if he, you know, is managing the match right and is a, is able to not, you know, start fading late, um, you know, he, he keeps himself in good position to win the match too. Um, I think, you know, regardless of who Stanford sends out, if, you know, if the rest of a good match, um, yeah, I, I've got him too. I think this is, a you know, one that's, you know, it, it is a quote-unquote upset just because, you know, the, because there's a number next to the name. But I don't really view, you know, any of it as an upset. So, do you guys want the uh, the, the finals here? I mean, yeah. I feel like so we got we got Trevor coming in hot with the classic 36-0 shutout for Stanford. Yeah. I like it. I like it. Followed up by the I don't love Stanford quite as much Isaac with the 34-0 <laughs> shutout. <laughs> and then we got Andrew, Mr. I Hate Stanford himself, uh, coming in with a 27-6 to beatdown for Stanford. So, you know, just like the Ohio State duel, things could go some other ways. There could have been a touch of bias in some of the picks. But again, regardless time. of how this thing turns out, um, I don't see, you know, who, regardless of who wins or loses basically all of these matches, there's only maybe one or two where there's like a definitive, yeah, this guy is definitely the heavy favorite. Like <laughs> this duel could go, you know, a handful of different ways in a couple weights. Um, and so I'm telling you, you know, people might see, you know, something like 27 to six and be like, oh, there's no way. And yeah, you're right. It may not turn out like that, but it is also well within reach. Like, you know, like Trevor was saying and Coach Borelli was talking about, Stanford could certainly win all 10 weights in this Absolutely. Game. And I'm sure there's some other head ass who's doing a, uh, uh, Tar Heel. Oh, bro, it's probably our buddy at Tech Fall Fantasy it because he's <laughs> doing, doing a Tar Heel wrestling broadcast and he's looking at this. Not him specifically, but some guy doing a Tar Heel wrestling podcast saying, Oh, the Tar Heels could easily win this match 36 up. Let me tell you what, it is far more likely that the Cardinal go out and stomp and wipe the mat with the Tar Heels than it is for the Tar Heels to come in to Burnham Pavilion and wipe the Carter on the floor because the Cardinal as a team are better than UNC and they're going to prove it this weekend. No yeah. doubt. And, and say, say what you will. I, I, you know, I totally agree with you guys. I, I think when you've got two pretty competitive teams, you know, it, it's the difference in one or two matches that can really alter or swing the entire duel. Um, you know, and I, I think that there definitely is a potential to have a, a super close duel with these guys, but I truly believe in my heart that we're going to take care of business Coming off of kind of a you know disappointing performance last week against Ohio State, I think all of us are super uh, you know pumped up, charged up, ready to go, and I think we're we're wanting to kind of prove that we're a team to be reckoned with, you know, on the national scale. And you know, say what you will about travel, but traveling across the country definitely takes a little bit out of you. You know, no matter how well you prepare for it or you know, how much sleep you get the night before, whatever. A four or five hour plane ride is, is never a fun thing right before you have to compete. So, 
you know, I think I think definitely early in the duel, we could see some UNC guys come out a little flat-footed, you know, and have kind of that that travel still in their legs. So uh, I right. think we take care of business this week. Right, no doubt, no doubt. So we'll um we'll go ahead and start wrapping the rest of this up, Trevor. We'll let you get back to you know doing. I'm sure you've got some calculus 15 homework or something <laughs> um, man i really do appreciate you coming on i look forward to bringing you on again maybe next time we'll do you know a not stanford whiteboard war but <laughs> dude it was awesome having you on it was a blast and i'm looking forward to the next time man yeah well hey thanks for having me on you guys uh, definitely love the podcast and i've been listening to it every week it's, it's super awesome to hear you guys input so yeah bring me on another time when we're not when we're not wrestling and maybe I can give a little more of an, an unbiased opinion. But, uh, yeah, once again, thanks for having me on, and you guys have a great night. No doubt, man. Tell everybody I said hey. I will. Absolutely. Right. See you, Trev. See you guys. So there we go, dude. There's our first guest. So now we know how the call-in feature works, and now we can start getting some more guests. That was that was actually really awesome. Good. Yeah, let me know uh... – how that call feature works because i do have a, a hopeful i mean i'm guessing it's just this little ad button right here yep, yeah yeah is. that's it that's all i did. Um, I just add and call and that was it i was gonna say i do have a, a guest that may or may not be a top 10 ranked 184 pounder that's interested right in making an appearance uh this sunday to do a little bit of our recap and discuss a uh, another up-and-coming top 25 ranked uh division one wrestling program so uh we'll look forward to that on sunday and uh tomorrow andrew what do we got going yes sir we may be coming at you hot with the three p now we're actually we're not jordan 96 97 anymore i know we got the two time three pete and bulls but we're going to be coming at you the early 2000s kobe and shack three pete because tomorrow there's just no way we can skim past bill farrell like there is just too much heat happening. This is going to be one of the most fun tournaments, freestyle or folk style, of the year. I know there's women in Greco, too, but there's just so much to get into with the freestyle, and we're just not as familiar with the Greco and women. So we're going to you know, hopefully get up bright and early tomorrow to bring you guys the heat. We're going to dive into all the brackets um, using kind of the projected seeds, give you all our predictions, um, and just what we see coming. Absolutely. That's going to be a fun one. You guys are going to want to stay tuned for that when you talk about the freakish matchups that we have the opportunity to see at the Bill Farrell. That's absurd. Dude, this uh, this call is this is going to be one of our longest shows. I thought it was going to be short, dude. We just got Trev on here, man. You just It's just such a likable guy. You just kind of got to keep talking to him. <laughs> we have too much fun, man. That's I why know, I like doing this. Best. We lose track, and it's great. Yep, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to the next one. All right, my guy, well, um. Let's go ahead and wrap it up so we can, you know, start getting everything ready for tomorrow. We'll be coming at you with some Bill Farrell action tomorrow. Absolutely. Have a good night, guys. We'll see you. All right. Thanks.